Yeah, I was like, it's gonna get, it's, it's got to go three or four hours, and my wife just poked in her head. She's all, can you be done? This was like twenty minutes or an hour ago. I'm like, yeah. She's like, it's been like six hours, dude. I was like, Hello and welcome to the next episode of The Podcast, a cannabis podcast for budding enthusiasts. This episode, as always, was brought to you by our phenomenal sponsors. Seeds here now, number one seed bank in the game, guarantee on germination and satisfaction. Why would you go elsewhere? They got all the hottest breeders and the latest drops. Likewise, a big shout out to Coppet Biological Systems. They got all the beneficial microbes, all the beneficial predator bugs and the feeds to keep the good army alive. Go check them out to make your next harvest a success. Got mite problems? Grab the Spidex Vital. Got aphid problems? Grab the Par. Also, a huge shout out to our family over at the Patreon. If you want to be a part of the lifeblood that helps make this show happen, getting early access to episodes, exclusive unreleased content, and prizes, giveaways, so much more, go check out www.patreon.com forward slash the podcast. Welcome back, my friends, for part two of the epic chat we had with Mean Gene of Mendocino, talking all things breeding, history, trends for the future, and what you can expect going forward. So without further ado, let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, I love that RKS Rosin. That, that is a question for the ages. And I mean, what a what a brilliant answer as to how to sort of work a line. I think everyone, will, including myself, will need to re-listen to that once or twice because there was just gold in there. And uh, speaking of working a line, I've always been very fond since being able to try your Cherry Pius wine. I think that's got to be one of the most intoxicating flavor profiles there is. So I've always followed the Cherry West and just in general your cherry work and I see that there's a lot of really cool projects you've been doing be it like you know the Cherry West Backcross um, you're doing the collab with uh, Biovortex the Cherry Lime Dog I, we were chatting to him with about that and that sounds great and I even noticed that you did a Sunset Sherbet Cherry Limeade Cross which is also cool did you have any immediate plans for what you want to kind of do with your cherry lines? Any ideas where you want to go in the future? Because I know a lot of people beyond myself are really into them and follow it. Well, yeah. So I have some different things that I've done. I mean, I even this year I took a, you know, the lime and the cherry limeade is the PK black lime, um, which was the brother of the lime one. So... When I made the cherry limeade with that male, I also put that on the lime one. And then I have various lime lines that come out of that that I just call lime instead of black lime. Um, and so this year I took a lime, a really nice lime F5, and I put that on the cherry clone again to remake a cherry limeade 
F1, which is the same thing I did to make the cherry lime pop, which was when I used the lime pop mail, which was a lime F2 instead of an F5. Um, and that's what that's what uh, BioVortex started with for his project. And um, so I went ahead and did a different one. And it'll be a little bit different because, you know, the lime pop was what it was and the mail I used this time is what it was. And the, the F1 lime mail that I used to make cherry limeade was, was its thing. Um, every time you do that, you pick a different mail of the same strain and you put it on the same mother you get a completely different cross it's not a you know it's not just like you take lime and cherry you cross them together and you get the same thing every time you use a different male you get a, a completely new thing with some of the same um traits so i went ahead and i did that um i did a lot of cherry lime cross gelato um gelato 33 um, I liked that one. It seemed kind of silly when I made it, but I tried it. And then once I grew them, I was like, wow, this really worked out nice because it was, they had really pretty color, which, you know, who cares, but still they're pretty and nice. Um, it made it a little bit more substantial and dense than a lot of the cherry limeades. Uh, even though the cherry limeade has that in it, they're not all super heavy and dense, um, and easy to trim, but the gelato really brought that to it. The cherry limeade still kept a lot of its terps in there that really popped out and made it sharp, whereas gelato is more kind of like a, kind of the 33 is kind of like a fruit loopy ice cream thing. Um, and then, so I took that and I did that on a lot of stuff. I took the cherry limeade gelato, I put it on the cherry mom again, so that'll reinforce that cherryness, but the lime will start to get lost a little. I like the lime in those and the cherry limeade crosses because it brings some of that citronella, lemongrass, lime peel um, kind of stuff, which the cherry already had some of it, but it's more like star, more like lemon starburst uh, candy kind of a thing. Um, and then the cherry, so the cherry, the cherry west back cross was cherry limeade cross cherry west cross cherry west then that mail got put on the cherry west again and then out of that that got put on the cherry west again so i have quite a few seeds now of the cherry west back cross three instead of one which was the last release um and those are cool um and I'll probably come out of that and go back to it again, which is eventually just kind of making that Cherry West clone by itself. And, you know, you could have taken um, Cherry West, the original males from that seed and put it on the clone and taken those forward, except the Cherry Limeade, I liked better in the cross because it had more of the crazy far out terps that the Cherry West 10 clone had. Whereas a lot of the sisters of the Cherry West 10 and the Cherry West cross, they were more of a plain cherry pie thing and uh, like regular cherry pie and as exotic as regular cherry pie is and people really like it. It's not like the cherry pie weirdo that I have from clone which is a lot more 
rose oil and uh, that Starburst candy thing going on. Um, so I, I like to I, I like to use that to lock down the Cherry West in seed form, um, the Cherry Limeade instead, because the males I feel like. Um, the Cherry West 10 was kind of like a one in whatever, 50 throw. And the rest, some of the rest were a little more dumbed down, regular um, cherry pie terps, which are a little more musky and deep and dark, which are cool and tasty, but not the unique thing I was trying to bring out of both those things. And so I, I liked the cherry lime um better as to, as a starting place for that so that's where i've been doing with that and then so i'll probably put out like i might put out some cherry west back cross three i might just wait and put out the back cross four or the back cross back cross one f2s or the back cross three f2s just depending you know we'll try them and see which ones kind of are the coolest or you know do them all if they're all really cool and different um and so there's that. And what you saw was the Cherry West Backcrofts. Those were different ones, what we smoked when you were here. Um, and that was funny because we kind of took the one we thought was the worst and we smoked that. And I was like, shit, this shit's still good. I thought you guys wouldn't <laughs> even be that stoned because you had a heavy tolerance and I didn't as much. And then I was sitting there super ripped and I was like, look, I'm probably the only one high here. And then you guys were like, dude, that's stony. And I was like, all right, cool, cool. Good to see, you know, like out of that, since it was the one that didn't look like it was the, the best, you know. Um, but uh, so there's those. And then I did, you know, I kind of, I want to find like a cherry limeade that can actually make like water hash, bubble hash, because it is so greasy you can only really make um, – you can really only make oil with like butane uh, or CO2 and it just doesn't, I don't know, like it, I, um, I want to see it. I want to see the same terps on a more solid resin head so that you can do different stuff with it. So I crossed it like with, with Chrome's white and I crossed it with Katsu Bubba Kush uh, and I crossed it with Black Dog and I crossed it with Purple Snow Bubba from CSI and that's in an attempt to see if I can go in a direction where I get the cherry limeade terps on um, a more solid uh, resin so we'll see if that works out um, and uh, so yeah, man. Um, I'm trying to think if there's other stuff I did, but those, I think that's kind of what, what I really have going now. And then of course, uh, I did cherry limeade cross with the cherry clone again. So I took the F5 cherry limeade and put that on the cherry clone and I was watching game of Thrones and they had the guy who was the fire guy and they called him the pyromancer. And I was like, Ooh, cherry pyromancer. That's a cherry pie, cherry pyromancer. <laughs> I'm going to fucking call it that. So I slapped that on it because I knew I knew it came out of a funny. It's hard to name things, you know, um, but I, but also, you know, that's a funny thing because it's fire and there's pie in there. And 
you know, whatever. Um, so that was like one thing that I have and I'm going to keep working on that. And, um, other cherry stuff, cherry limeade. I have a lot of F sixes that I need to go through different directions. I'm going to go back to the oldest ones. Um, while they're still viable so I can make lots of them to put into storage that's always important, even if you're kind of successful with your newer ones. You don't want to abandon the old ones because that's where you found the good shit, you know, in the first place. So you got to make more of those before they get old and um, maybe find new crazy things. I got the wild strawberry clone. I got one I call Cherry Lime 4 from back because that was Cherry Lime 4, which was my original F1 keeper of Cherry Limeade. And then I hit that with seeds from in it. So um, it was a back cross. And then when I popped those, I got one that just has the craziest terps. And it got some balls in my depth, but it didn't seed itself. So, I'll, you know, I'm doing a bunch of crosses with that and seeing if I can kind of get that to go in a direction where it'll straighten out. And um, that one's like really, really crazy lemongrass it's hard to describe citronella chemical with some of the starburst from the cherry but mostly just very limey but the special part of the cherry without any of the berry cherry smell to it so that's cool and then i think that's kind of you know um that's kind of where those where those are at at this point it's just kind of like still hunting through and trying different different stuff with them i always have different you know outcrosses i did with them and um you know there's there's a lot of a lot of neat a lot of neat stuff that pops out of those lines yeah for sure i mean it sounds like there's a variety of different avenues people can go down if they're interested in exploring the the cherry work there and i i love that name the uh the cherry pyromancer that's a, that's a nice little pun i noticed in that question you referenced uh having done some work with gelato and i had picked up on that as well looking through your instagram and i was wondering do you like the results you see having used the gelato mother in some crosses and does this give any sort of credence to the idea that maybe some of the hype boys one day will see a, a runs cross from Mean Gene? Oh, well, I mean, I took that Gelato 33 Cherry Limeade um, and I grew it. And then I got the Runts clone and I grew that. And, um, you know... The runts, when I grew it, it kind of had a cool shape to it where there's a lot of bud to it, and then the leaf's kind of separate. It looked a lot like my old dirt perp. And I lost that years ago, kind of a narrow bud that wants to kind of hug itself. And when you take the leaves off of it, it's just kind of the bud left there, and it's not hairy, Um and uh it had really pretty color even in the middle of the summer i liked the smell i mean of course now everybody knows gelato everybody knows skittles but i'm of the opinion that if we would have had all this same quote unquote hype shit in the mid 90s we would have been like hmm, this is good this is like uh so-and-so's shit you know like ah, that's cool i like it you know <laughs> um 
I feel like anytime you win, um, everybody says you're full of shit. So there's like an aspect of underdog stuff that happens where as soon as a strain is popular, it's really hard for people to not say it's bullshit. Um, I feel like like Chemdog maybe and OG have been able to kind of be big and popular purely for the reason that they're like straight up probably the most knock you in the head shit that anybody has access to. So anybody who's really into those sees anything that's not as potent and goes, ah, that shit's bullshit. Like if you smoke the most potent weed all the time, anything that's not the most potent weed doesn't really do much to you. Um, so, you know, it's kind of weird. Like for me, I'm like, well, I don't really want to just smoke one kind of weed. So I don't even really want to smoke Chem D, Chem 91 and Ghost OG every day, all day, all the time. Because then when I smoke other shit, I won't really get high. We went through the same thing when we started smoking hash all the time. And then we'd smoke a joint and we'd be like, yeah, I'm fucking just don't even bother. Let's just smoke some fucking hash because this isn't doing nothing to us. And so I kind of like to keep what I'm smoking varied. And then that way, when I smoke something that's super potent, I really get fucking ripped. And it's like, I can notice it. Otherwise, don't get me wrong. I've smoked the most potent shit every day, all day um, that I have available. After a certain point, every time you smoke, you don't really get high anyway. And then you, you kind of go, oh, this is the one thing that no matter what, it gets me high every time. But it's like, yeah, kind of. But not like you would be if you smoked Urkel for a week and then you smoked some fucking OG or Chem 91 or Chem D. Then you'd be like, ooh, fuck, okay, I'm fucking rich. So like, I like to, I like to switch shit up and even, you know, beyond the high of everything, like I don't like to taste the same weed every time. There's only a couple kinds of weed that I like so much because I just, they make me happy and I like how they taste that I like get really into them where I want to smoke them all the time. So I like to have like, you know, I don't mind that there's a runce or a gelato or a cherry pie or whatever it is, because for me, it's like, those are, you know, all these different things that to me are pretty good. And then they are something different, you know, like I, I fucking, I love, you know, pizza or burgers and fries or sushi or fucking, you know, whatever nice light Thai food, Japanese food, whatever it is. Um, and there might be something that I like better than everything else or only two things, but I don't really want to eat that shit every single day. I really like that. I got access to a lot of different things. It's like my favorite song. I don't want to just listen to it all the time or pretty soon. I'm like, all right, well, it's kind of played out. And, you know, it just, I just, the way, you know, I think of shit. So, um, I like all the variety and everything. So like, you know, yeah, I, I got the runts. I fucking bred it with the gelato cherry limeade. We'll see if it's good. Um, I bred it with the Sky Cuddler Double Kush because I thought that would be odd and there might be stuff that comes out of it that isn't like what a normal runts cross would be because it's like a kush that's a that's a that's kind of a weird kush with um, a runts. So I'm like, okay, well, 
be kind of neat if you get like a gnarly stony OG bud that smells a little bit like gelato or something or something that you wouldn't, it unlocks something that you didn't get out of either parent. So, you know, I tried it, see what they do. Um, but um, I've always done that. Like if there's something that people say is really good and like I have friends who grow it and they're like, oh no, dude, it's good. I'm like, yeah, it's not just fucking, it's not just some bullshit that, that's popular. Like, no, like I like to smoke it. If one of my friends says like they're into it, I'm like, cool, I get it. I make some crosses and if they're good, they're good. And if not, they just go in a fucking pile with all the other shit I never do anything with. You know, I, I do it every, uh, you know, I do it every year. Whatever is something that's around that people say is cool. I'm like, huh, I wonder how it breeds. I wonder how it looks. I wonder what it looks like when I grow it. Um, or when I, you know, like what's, what's it like the way I dry it or handle it? Like, is it good? Is it not good? Like, you know, let's see what it does because, um, you know, originally like I didn't, I didn't like OG and we even had types of weed that were so similar to OG back in the old days. And we were like, I don't know, you smoke it. It's really fucking strong you don't really feel that good. You just feel really fucking stoned. Um, you don't get giggles. You don't really get any kind of, you know, like it doesn't give you a lift. You just, it's fucking holy shit. That's potent. And we didn't really ever like it. And then that became really um, popular. And then I started smoking tons of fucking weed. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, this, this shit's good. And then I liked those kinds of weed, but, um, you know, what one person likes isn't, doesn't mean that's the best for everybody, you know? So I like to try to keep everything going and, um, make something out of stuff when it comes around, if I think it's good. And especially like if it does good in like blind competitions with real heads, you know, like the Ego Clash or the Emerald Cup or whatever, where people don't know the name, but everybody's like, damn, this one's good. I'm like, well, what is it? It can't be that fucking bad if it's, if this is blind, it ain't the, it ain't the Mylar bag selling it to people in a jar when there's no name on it, you know? So, um, you know, it makes me, makes me curious. So I, I, uh, I do stuff with, um, with everything, you know, I got agent orange crosses. I got runts crosses. I got fucking big bud crosses. I got Northern lights crosses, like you name it, whatever came around that at the time was something that people thought were cool and people who I respect thought it was good dope. I'm, I fucking hit it with some pollen, you know? That's a good philosophy to have for sure. And I'm sure all the hype beasts will be thrilled to hear that they're going to be able to get the runs gelato, cherry limeade combo. And the sky cuddler one also sounds like it could be a, a cool little um, hybrid in the works there. I mean, on that same topic of catering to everyone, I was so stoked to see that you're getting some nice sativas in the mix recently when I noticed that you put up that post about having pollinated a C5 plant you had. And it got me thinking, are you planning on, you know, working or maybe even releasing some of the uh, older sort of haze hybrids? Because... I think that although there are a lot of people who say that they're super sick of, you know, the Amsterdam Terp profile, like that meme you put up perfectly embodied it where you were kind of alluding to that, you know, there is a more nuanced side of the haze terpenes, which people can sometimes discredit. What's your plans for this hybrid? And do you want to do some more sativa work going forward? 
You know, the thing about sativas was for me, my thing was always I wanted to be able to make plants. I wanted to be able to make seeds that somebody, that somebody like, I'm a funny person like that. I don't, I don't have a whole lot of stuff that I like just for the sake of me liking it. I like to do things for other people's enjoyment. Um, like I really like to make plants that I think someone else is going to like to grow, you know? Um, so, I mean, I always kind of did stuff that I knew like people, cause I didn't used to, you know, be on the internet or nobody knew that I had anything. I didn't know anybody outside my little circle. So it was kind of like, okay, well, I think so-and-so, you know, they know this stuff and, and, and we all thought it was good. So like, I'm going to work on it and then, you know, see if we can get some people to grow some of this and that'll be fun to see them. And I don't want to make something nobody's going to grow that I'm just going to grow. Um, because, you know, that's kind of the fun of it. Like, you're going to make music. You want to make music that people are going to want to hear. You want to make food. You want to make food that when you feed people, they'll think it's good food, you know? Um, so, like, I always kind of just was doing that. And then at a certain point, I realized that I do like just for myself. I do really like the highs on some of the sativa stuff. Like, I had some Swazi and some stuff people gave me and um way back in the day we had like a tie that would completely like be like half male half female but the weed was really tasty on it and we'd say fuck it and put you know one way over here and grow them and have a you know a couple joints off a little plant or whatever and um my buddy had some mexican he brought back from mexico and grew it back in the day and i was like oh that's that's cool but they grew terribly so i was just like you know it's just a novelty um but I, I realized at a point, okay, I do like to have a little bag of this Swazi or a little bag of whatever it is, you know. So, you know, I've grown some Swazi, some Congolese, and I, 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 I realized that you don't have to grow plants to have a crop. You can grow plants just to have one little shitty plant in a little pot off somewhere to the side. And just take that and you wind up with a little bag of weed. And every once in a while, you're like, eh, I'm going to smoke the weird weed. And you take five bong hits of the really weird weed with the high ceiling and you get really fucking high. And it's different than anything else, you know, and it gives you it gives you cool, um, gives you cool vibes. You're not just smoking the same Afghani based stuff that is, is good for a lot of things, but doesn't necessarily give you the real fucking lift of being tripped out and shit. So, um. You know, I I got the C5, I got the A5, I tried the weeds. They both have a really cool high. The plant itself smells like lemon peels, which I think is fucking awesome. But the bud really has that kind of Amsterdam haze. When you have that terpenaline like that, and it's sharp and like turpentiny and gnarly, like so, like the like the Pakistani CSI has, like where it's more earthy too, is a little different. But anyway, so I, you know, I went ahead and crossed it with stuff that's really weird and there's a lot of potential for different terpene profiles. And, you know, we'll see if it goes anywhere. I'm not going to have a lot of those seeds, but enough to try some out, I think. And uh, I'm more interested in working with like this Malawi I have and this uh, Congolese the Congolese is kind of in that ballpark, but it has more of a deep, grassy thing to it that 
you would think you wouldn't like if you don't like those types, but then there's something about it that's kind of just nice, and uh, they're neat. They didn't have any Hermes in them, and they were straight from straight from the Congo, and like they were they were good for that kind of a like a land race heirloom um, African thing, and uh, really hardy in a lot of ways. So like you know, just I want to play with some different things like that, but. It's not the it's not the main direction I want to go, but I really would like to get my hands on the old haze type that I saw in the '90s, where it was just so tasty and it was more like a I don't know, like a I don't know, really hard to describe, but more like cedar incense. Um, it's really, really tasty. Like, you're just like, damn, that is so enjoyable, you know? Um, more like how, like, as funny as it is, like, opium straight off of a off of the head of a poppy when you smoke that, how it's just, you're just like, wow, some that's just made to be smoked. That's not like smoking weed. That's like a whole different thing, you know? Which is what a lot of the best weed, weed strains are like that. They're just, you can't believe it, you know? Um, so I'd like to dig into those kind of things more. The A5 and the C5 are really famous. Neville, you know, like you can't downplay his, his legacy and, you know, like the Northern Lights I was talking about earlier probably was straight from Neville based on the packaging and the labeling and shit, time frame. The C5 was really cold resistant, really moisture resistant. That was neat. Um, the A5 has a taste that I like, you know, everybody who's chasing those as being really amazing, like definitely try them. Yeah, sure. A, a good answer there. And I guess as a follow up kind of based on how you said you'd love to get some like real haze and maybe as a larger extension, this applies to the roadkill. Do you think that there are really many, if any growers who are, shall we say like, you know, hidden up away in the hills or the mountains still holding on to some super old cultivar from years gone by in like the, you know, late 80s or 90s? Or do you think maybe not so likely because even those people who are tucked away still come into town every so often and they get exposed to the new stuff and they probably dropped it at some point? I think real heads have certain plants that they're just in love with and they keep them no matter what. And, uh, you know, they maybe share them with a couple people who know how good they are. And I think that there's probably a lot of stuff out there um, that you'll never hear about. Because I think in general, um, you know, like even me, like I sometimes I don't even understand why I have any interest with like really um, – breeding and sharing seeds and like the whole scene and you know i even you know just the trying to trying to keep up with the social interactions and the way everything goes and um you know the whole scene which i'm relatively new to compared to a lot of people who have been more into it for a long time like I had a certain uh, naivety uh, with the whole scene. Like, you know, initially, like, I met people who 
we're super into seeds and we're, and I was like, Oh, I, n- I never, you know, I don't know anybody who's really into that. I, my friends are like hardcore, you know, old school dope growers who they, you know, they get the good thing here. They get the good thing there. Maybe they have something, they make a little seeds here and there and stuff and whatnot. And then there was people who were super into it. And I was like, well, these people are really into it. And then over time you realize, well, yeah, the reason why they're into it is because of the way the scene is laid out where you can manipulate people so heavily by being Mr. Seed Guy or whatever little role that they're that they're playing in the scene, you know, and then after a while you're like, oh, like, you know, y'all don't even really I don't even know if you really like any of this shit. Like I don't know if you have any interest in the biology or the plant aspect beyond the clout and all this other kind of bullshit that like surrounds anything that is you know, an opportunity to gain any kind of like that kind of energy. Like, you know, there's some people who are really, they really love cars. They grew up from when they were a little kid. They're like, Oh, you know, my dad or my uncle or my grandpa or whatever was into cars. And so I learned about the paint and I learned about the transmission and I learned about the engine and I know everything about all these things. And You know, probably at a car show, there's probably like maybe half of the people are like that. And this is just random. I don't know, half, 10%, 90%. I don't fucking know. There's a lot of people who are there too, who just heard that if you have fast fucking balling cars, there's people will think you're fucking cool and you can just be, you know, into that and it's all good. And, you know, and then there's even, you know, I don't know. I feel like that's how it is with weed. There's a lot of people who are just into it to try to fucking milk it for, for what it is and wouldn't have really done any of it when it was, when nobody was looking, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, I don't know, man. The whole, the whole scene is just, it's a, it's a trippy, it's a trippy thing to learn, like to, to see how shit is and, and, uh, and all that and really kind of, see it and then go, okay, well, there's probably a lot of people who are smarter than me who aren't as naive and gullible in general who just look for a fucking second and go, oh, this is all douchebags. A lot of these people are just full of shit. And, you know, there's that's probably scares off a lot of people so they don't get to meet somebody like Bodhi. Or, you know, there's probably people who think Bodhi is just like the rest of everybody if they don't know him. If you know Bodhi, you're like, no, Bodhi's the cool dude. He just happens to be in the mix, you know? And then even like me compared to Bodhi, I'm probably fucking 20% more douchebaggy than Bodhi is. Or, you know, like there's just like a certain, there's a certain thing that I think is probably really off-putting to a lot of people who are really into just having the shit they like to where you'll just never hear from them because they're just, fucking cool you know and they don't they're not going to be they're not going to get the interest in thinking like oh i want somebody to grow my stuff because you know like no nothing ever happens with it and i put all this time into it and that's like what happened to me i was like just so fucking excited that there's people who are into fucking seats you know that i was just like whoa this is crazy and then like all said and done you're like okay cool i have a better feeling for a better feel for how 
things are there are people who are really like into plants and they really really like to do this and then there's a lot of people who just want to say you know they're the guy who found the rks and sell a thousand packs for a fucking bunch of money before they fucking you know whatever (laughs) just the that's just to kind of sum it up but there's a million versions of that (laughs) but it but it but it is you know the, the guy who's sitting there who really has some shit that really smells like a dead skunk he's probably like yeah, but I already have it. And what what the fuck do I want to give it to anybody for? And I don't need anybody to give me a pat on the back for having the real skunk, you know? Like, shit. Like I said, like me, I, I do a lot of things because I want to, like, be able to hand something to somebody and have that interaction of, like, oh, you know, like, cool, we're, we're, we're looking through stuff. And I like that, you know? But a lot of people, they don't have any... There's no incentive there for them because they're just chill and they they are good on doing whatever they're doing and they got it and that's great. Me, I'm like, I want to make something really good and then sit there with somebody and go, hey, is it really good? Do we are we having fun? Like, is it a good time? Do, you know, but that that's not how everybody is. So, I think uh, I think there's probably a ton of stuff, and then those people just are never going to come out of the woodwork and. In a, in a sense, it's it's unfortunate for the plants themselves because there's no way to really – that's not really sustainable as far as genetics. Like how are, how are those plants going to survive past the person who got their hand on it? Um, but, you know, like it's their prerogative. They have those plants. They don't need to give them to anybody for preservation or whatever it is and um, – you know, but I, I am of the belief that there's people who have crazy, crazy stuff and they're holding that original clone you want. They have the crazy seeds that everybody wants and they're just like, yeah, what do we, you know, because I know a lot of people, I have a lot of friends who are, who are really weeded out and who, you know, you talk to them about something. They don't, they don't, they have no idea of this whole scene. I didn't know. You know, like I, at one point, I thought there was like, maybe like Bog and Subcool and Greenhouse and Neville. Like, I think that's probably at one point that was, you know, I thought that was, that's the whole thing. You know, I didn't know there was all these people who were on the forums and I didn't know there was any such thing as a forum. And like the forums were gone by the time I even heard of them pretty much. Um you know, and I, you know, I, I, I think we, I think we get to see a little slice, like the people who want to come out and have the interaction for whatever reason. And some of them, like I said, some people are like Bodie. They want everybody to have cool stuff. They get a kick out of it. They spend a lot of time doing stuff. So they want to make something of it. Um, you know, and then there's people who will just straight up fucking you know say they made og when they didn't and made fucking whatever when they didn't and they're only there to to do something and you know i don't even think there's anything wrong with any of it like it's not on on a scale of, of 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 like i was saying earlier who are you hurting the very worst of the weed guys you know maybe they're kind of charlatans but i mean you know shit they're not batching up meth and probably half of those charlatans probably were a little while ago to be honest 
So. <laughs> oh, God. A bit of real wisdom right there. I love that. I noticed in your answer that you uh, mentioned Bog, who sadly passed away recently. And he's a guy who was really influential both in, you know, sharing knowledge, but also his work. You know, it shows up in a lot of various breeders' work. I don't know if any of your current lines you have for sale have his genetics in them, but I do know that you've grown out a bunch of his work and have posted about it before. Was there any of his strains that particularly stood out to you as like some of the more favorites from him? So I haven't actually grown out um, a lot of his stuff. Um, I had a clone which came to me as Bubba D. And um, I realized after a long time, after knowing his his sour bubble from him giving me the, the flower when I met him, because he sometimes he'll just, if you see him at a cup, he'll just like give you a gram of flour or, or, or like, a, you know, a piece of bubble hash or something. And one time when I was there, he, he gave me a, a bag of flour and you know, it was like a gram or two and I pulled it out and I was like, this is so familiar. And I got it home and I realized this is the same as Bubba D. And so what I realized when I thought about it, I went sour bubble, Bubba D, sour D, Bubba, bubble. I went, it's pretty likely that this was a sour bubble and somebody called it Bubba D, you know, just because of the two, the two words, you know, it's like they go together and the weed was so similar and I never knew what it was. And I was always like, I don't know how this could be a sour diesel cross, especially because I, I bred it a little bit too. Um, and there was no, you know, sour pops out some trippy, weird, uh, kind of larfy, foxtaily stuff when you breed with sour uh, initially. And so I think that what I had as Bubba D was really a sour bubble clone. And so, you know, that was one that was around here for a while. And people, you know, some people around here are kind of recognize, oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, and then I got sour strawberry from them. And I think I got uh, maybe boggle gum and or one of those ones like that uh one of the bubblegum ones and then i got the sour bubble so i grew the sour strawberry and i told the story on a thing a little while ago i grew the sour strawberry and i didn't really mean to do anything with it i just wanted to see what a half pack looked like because i was gonna if i liked it a lot i was gonna get a, a couple packs to look through um which I didn't, you know, I should have, but I, I didn't. And uh, that's a good lesson for people that if you want some seeds, get the damn seeds and put them in the fridge because whether you're an older guy like like Bog or you're a younger guy, like, uh, you know, it doesn't, don't just think that these people who make these seeds will always have the same stock or they'll continue making seeds or they'll always be around for you to get seeds from. If you want something, you should get it, you know. Um, cause this has happened, you know, this is something that happens a lot and people go, Oh shit, I should have got them while I could get them. And, uh, you know, the seeds, honestly, the thing with Bob was not being able to get his seeds is the very least of the loss that, you know, everybody has to take with, with, uh, him leaving because he's, uh, 
he's just a really cool guy. I mean, I, you know, I didn't really know him and I, I sat with him and he told me about how he, uh, he was riding in this car, I think with, with Shanti Baba, it was somebody like legendary like that. And we're riding on the Autobahn in this car with a fucking 700 horsepower, some fucking Jag fucking V12 or some shit. And, you know, we're fucking, we're going for fucking 100 miles, 120 miles an hour, blah, 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 and, I, you know, telling these stories, and I'm like, wow, this guy's a character, you know, and he was just cool, because he was telling me these old stories of being in Europe, and different stuff, and, you know, I wish I, I wish I could remember the stories more clearly, but what he did leave me with the impression, he left me with the impression that he was just a really, uh, um, just a nice guy, really, really a real guy and had done real stuff. And, uh, and you know, was, was, uh, he was a one of a kind guy. You wouldn't, you know, and, and, and everybody I've talked to is like, Oh, he, you know, he was the coolest guy you could talk to at the shows and stuff. And he would go to the smallest shows and the biggest shows. And he was, you know, the most approachable guy. He was a really good, um, he was a really good role model. I feel like for, for people in general and especially for people like on the weed scene he was not uh he was not a um pain in the ass he wasn't a douchey dude he was just like uh did what he liked to do and came to do his thing and um you know i thought he was really uh really kind of a remarkable guy in that sense um but anyway, I, I, I got the uh, I got the sour strawberry and I, I grew my half pack. I still have a half pack of them and I still have the other pack that I can't put a finger on exactly what it is. But I think it's bubble gum because I was interested in that because he's like, this is straight, the straight bubble gum in the bubble gum sense as opposed to the sour bubble, which he had bred to be more cushy. And um, so um, I grew those sour strawberries out. And I, what happened was I missed a male in a, in a five and a half inch pot in a flat of plants. And I just looked, I had looked through them, looked through them, looked through them. And it was probably like one where I was like, ah, oh, it's unsexed, but it looks like a girl or whatever, you know, classic story. And, you know, by the time I saw it was a male, it, it had a couple balls that had popped. So I wound up with these few stray seeds. And one of uh, the thing that was in the flat with that, um, there was a plant or two um, of this uh, animal cookies cross animal cookies cross cherry west, and uh, that cherry west was like one of the ones that I was talking about where they're not um, not crazy and exotic, no terpenoline, no no fruit punch, no watermelon, no floral. It was just like. A, one of the more normal of the cherry West, like what they usually are, which is more like what I call black cherry, which was just this deep cherry kind of, um, berry flavored thing. And, uh, so it was basically like animal cookies, but in seed, you know, and, um, super frosty, really, really nice. And my buddies in the Bay called it the knowledge. And I have a picture like way back on my feed somewhere of theirs from indoor. That's real pretty. And so I found these couple seeds. Um, and, you know, I might still have a couple of the original seeds. I'm not sure I really should, you know, hunt through to see, but anyway, I, I took those and I bred them and, uh, and I F2'd them 
and I happened to find just a gorgeous male in the F1 and put that on two females that were my favorites and one of them was more green and kind of garlicky and one of them was more purple and more kind of cookie gene pool type stuff and so I've those ones I've uh I've gone through them and uh so you know kind of turned that into a thing and those are really nice they're like the, the sour bubble um didn't it, the sour bubble added that that broadleaf gnarly little squat thing um that they already had but it kind of accentuated it and it didn't take away from the resin because it was really resinous too and it added kind of like a jelly thing that made it so that overall they kind of have this like peanut butter and jelly cookies thing um but in a good way and uh they're just gorgeous and it, it made them have that more like classic uh gnarly broadleaf chunk bud um kind of like kind of like hindui look but um just really really nice and and a lot of them get really dark and uh and i i was stoked because i have the i have other lines that are the same kind of cookie stuff but the sour strawberry gave it this other thing that is um I don't know. They're just really nice. I like them a lot. And I did a lot of those and I'm trying to, you know, I have F3s of them now and hopefully they're good and I'll probably make them into F4s. I'll probably clone some of the best of the F3s and then, uh, you know, try to keep around to F, maybe a pair of F3s to make F4s um, for a long time, you know, to, to just have that be a thing. And then I have you know, like I said, I still have that uh, half a pack of those sour strawberries left. So if I can get those to crack, I'll probably breed that with the sour strawberry again and try to make more sour strawberries pure to have to, to, to dig into deeper, knowing now that I like what came out of it. And then uh, I had a pack of sour bubble and I had it for years. <clears throat> and then 2019... I grew them and I was, I kept the male for a long time and I was going to seed them and I just kind of didn't do it. And then they really started budding. And I think I had only got like four plants out of my pack um, because I had kept them for a while and I hadn't had them stored well for a while because I had left them out because I planned to pop them for a whole year and then I never got around to them. And then finally I put them away. So I screwed them up a little bit. And, uh, you know, I always saw Bog at the different, like he would come to the farmer's market here. Um, and so like I was used to, you know, seeing always his booth and go, Oh, I'll just grab more, you know? Um, so I didn't grab any of them. And I had that one pack. I only got so many. I think I got a, I think I got a boy that I really liked and I should have kept. And, uh, I got a few girls and the girls were just not quite what I wanted um, as far as the smells that they had. They were a little too plain. But I should have fucking seeded them all because the reality is that strain is plain anyway. And there's some good ones that pop out that have like a special liminess to it. And that contributed to like the sour dub. But um, 
just not getting what you want out of the few plants, it doesn't really matter. You should just seed them, and then you'll have so many that you can find what you want because all of a sudden you'll have, you know, whatever, fucking hundreds or thousands of F2s you can look through and get exactly what you want. But I just kind of, I kind of fucked them off, and uh, now, you know, I kick myself because I'm like, man, uh, I would have had a bunch of those, and if I had had them in bulk right now, I could probably... Um, I could probably, you know, auction them off and and shoot the shoot the proceeds over to Miss Bog and shit. And I, you know, I don't really have anything to do that. But I do have the sour strawberry cross, and uh, you know, I could do something with those. And I'm waiting to see how everything pans out right now with their GoFundMe. And if it doesn't, if it's if it goes slower than it should, you know, we can maybe maybe go on go on and do something online, and then. Uh, and then uh, their niece hit me up, and she she was kind of just filling me in on where everything stands because I guess she had seen my post. And um, I told her, you know, I go, hey, if there's anything you guys need up there, don't go without it because everybody everybody loves them, and they're you know we'll get it we'll get it together. So hopefully they're. Um, you know, hopefully everything works out smoothly, and you know if it if there's any real issues we you know everybody will figure it out that's one cool thing about a bunch of weed heads is they kind of all they kind of all have a good idea that everything can go wrong when you're not a square and you don't have a pension and you don't have you know the things that come with being a square so i think there's a little more compassion in the um amongst a bunch of weed heads uh and growers than there would be among people who who don't like understand that world you know yeah there's definitely some good camaraderie within the community when people fall on hard times and so yeah everyone check out the gofundme if you're listening to this shortly after the release and by all means if there's any bog genetics you can scoop up now would be a great time to add some good ones to the library and funnily enough i've actually grown out and worked with some sour strawberry hybrids a friend did and they were all fire too so i'm totally backing you on this sour strawberry cross sounding like a, a real winner i wanted to ask you we've spoken about a plethora of different mythical and awesome genetics what seeds do you have in your vault that are some of the most special to you? You've probably got more than just one, but like some of the ones that come to mind when you think of like the really special ones to you. And do you plan to crack any of them anytime soon? Well, my craziest stuff is the stuff I was talking about that I can't get to pop. Um, I'm really glad I got them in the fridge when I did because I know they're alive. Um, I know they're not rancid and they're not overheated and dehydrated. Like there's live cells. They just don't have enough to go. But, you know, the old, I have like big blue cross big red. Those are old two Afghanis that I mixed together because I could never get a good, a good big blue male. And I wasn't, I didn't know enough at the time to realize that it's, it's pretty likely that the big blue male, that there's a sex link trait with the boys that the boys never grow very fast. Um, and that's just how they are. And I just thought I had the terrible luck of always having small boys. And now I'm like, no, dude, those were all fine males. You just didn't know that the males of Big Blue are small plants, you know? So um, that's my theory anyway. And I, I think it's probably, 
accurate. Um, so I crossed it with Big Red. Uh, the Black Affy, um, I had a real special plan of the Big Red that was different than the rest that I crossed with the Black Affy, and those got grown out and were incredible. But I didn't ever, by the time I tried to plant them, they just wouldn't quite grow. It was like they would, you put them in water and after 24 hours, boom, the tail would be popping out and then it just doesn't grow, you know? So those, those went in the fridge. They've been there. I know they're good. Um, they just need tissue culture, you know? They need more than I can do for them. Um, those are special. I still have the original uh, POG nl oil can seeds um that were the father side of the uh black lime that were made with the same with a with a female um that was the sister of the father of black lime i still have the original black lime f1 seeds i still have a couple of the sisters of black lime the original plant that I crossed with the with the POG, um, so I have those. So they're basically the same thing as black lime, except instead of the the black lime mother, it's like a what I called like black cranberry, and then one that looked like a NL. Um, I have those seeds. Um, I have. Uh, you know, those things, those older things, the, 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 the Black Affy Cross Hindu, the Hindu Cross Black Affy, I mean, and the Hindu Cross Hindu Cross Black Affy, those are right there in the top of what I would get going if I knew I had a reliable person to do tissue culture to pull out cells and turn them into callus and turn them into roots and shoots. Um, and then, you know, there's... Uh, there's the stuff that's newer that's that's also really special. I mean, as as neat as those old things are, and as much potential there is, and all that, the reason why I have what I have now is because I made improvements on those things overall. As far as like Jaro is like, you can still get kind of the Hindu Afi type, but they're way you know the plants are five times bigger. Um, they're way more mold resistant and you can still get the same kind of weed out of those seeds. So that's the reason why some of these things didn't get planted originally was because they weren't practical and I had made hybrids with them that were practical and still had all the same good things. It's like I was saying earlier though, you get attached to the idea of the originals and the provenance and the purity and, um, all that. And so that's why those things are real special. And then I have like some seeds. Um, I have some seeds. Uh, my good, good friend Moise passed away in um, 2008. And his dad was like a kind of a legendary guy, a really, really good artist, um, a Frenchman. And uh, he um, had got some seeds from me around maybe 2006 and he had his own seeds that he had kept for years. And, um, he, you know, he's passed as well. He passed like the following year, uh, after my buddy and, um, he was my buddy too, you know, and he 
had a big seed collection and um, his, uh, his, his wife found it a few years later in a fridge. And she said, hey, I don't know who else would really want this. And there might even be some of your seeds in there. And do you want them? And I was like, yeah. So she gave me that collection. And some of those are still viable. But at the same time, I'm afraid to plant them a little bit. I took them out and repacked them and made sure they were real dry. They actually had some moisture in them. And I thought that it would have ruined all of them. Because when I opened up the bags, there was like literally like water in some of the bags that had probably been there for two or three years at the least. And uh, I repacked them and I tried some of them and I got a couple of them to get a couple of plants that actually grew. And then they wound up getting messed up and I didn't get to get them to go all the way, but they, they would have. It was my fault, but I had only tried a couple of ones and there was a lot of them in there. So it made me know they were viable. And those are really special. Um, there's one in there called I Forgot. There's one in there called BMW, Bob Marley and the Whalers. Um, there's one. There's a couple in there that have like just a symbol and I don't know what it means. There's a couple with initials and I don't know what they mean. There's one in there that have seeds that are huge like they're almost as big as peas really you know they're like very big 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 seeds from some kind of an old afghani i assume he always had really tasty weed like when he would be rolling up weed we'd always want to check it out um so old school dude spent a lot of time in uh in goa in india and uh is just like really really um cool dude and kind of you know uh you know, old school dude, um, grew weed totally secretly and was just an artist and, you know, had his little, had a couple plants and stuff and, you know, always had good smoke and stuff. And, uh, but, um, those are really special just because of the, of the story and, and who they're from and, and, um, all that. And then, Thinking of what else, I'm trying to think of if there's anything else that's really, really crazy. I mean, you know, there's stuff that I have, of course, Um, you know, cherry limes, limes, root beers. Those are all cool. But those older ones that I can't get to pop are actually the ones that are the most special. And, you know, I've looked into a couple labs. I've talked to a couple people. um, And I'm just trying to find somebody who won't kill him, won't rip me off and, you know, and has the right knowledge to do that kind of stuff. And it's a pretty standard technique, but there's a divide between people who do standard tissue culture for things like orchids and who really have the right tech and for people who do, um, who do, uh, stuff with weed tissue culture because weed tissue culture tends to be like meristem and maybe putting seeds into a media into a into a media and getting them to sprout helping them along but i'd really like to find somebody who can just slice that seed down the middle like a mushroom pull out a little chunk grow that callus and turn that into plants and it's not that people don't do it but like I said, there's a little divide and I, you know, apologies to anybody if I talked about this shit on the last one, because, uh, I'm always talking about this shit. Cause it's like the, the Holy grail for everybody. Cause people have, there's a lot of seeds, 
that won't come up that still have the genetics inside of them. So it's like a really important thing. I'm always hoping there's somebody who is uh, legit who, you know, winds up getting into this shit because it's, it's pretty important. For sure. If anyone has that knowledge or ability, you know the man to hit up. Let's make it happen. I have to admit, I was kind of trying to uh, bait you with that question to talk about the seeds I've seen on your Instagram page of the Big Sur. It's an interesting one for me because I find it really hard to get like good information on Big Sur. It's sort of like this mythical strain. Anyway, what's your experience? And um, if you had to guess the genetics behind it, what do you think's in it? So, interestingly enough, I haven't actually grown Big Sur holy weed. I have a thing from Big Sur called Dolores. And I got it from some friends of mine up here who I trade seeds with. And they um, are just old school people who like they grow something and they're like, ooh, this is good, you know, and they keep it or maybe they make some more, move on to something else and have had stuff from, you know, from way back in the day. They're, they're old school. They're in their 60s, you know, and uh, really nice people. And, you know, they told me, hey, we have this really cool Mexican. Do you want to grow some Mexican? And I was like, well, does it finish here? And they were like, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's really nice. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm always interested in Mexican stuff that's more fast and, and can be grown here because there's a lot of different climates in Mexico. Some of some of Mexico is really mountainous and you can't grow like crazy sativas, you know? So the Oaxacan's always been really popular here from the seventies. And, um, it was kind of the best thing as far as I can tell before the Afghani and Pakistani came in for this climate. And, um, so they gave me these ones and I grew them. And what was really interesting to me, and my mom said the same thing, they're kind of the closest thing to the type of northern lights that we had, which I believe was not the one or the two. I think it was, you know, like the two cross the five or something or whatever. Um, I, I just think that the northern lights we had had something else in it besides straight Afghani. And growing these, the way they look when you grow a lot of them, it almost makes me wonder, like, is this like a relative of the type of Mexican that might have been in one of the kinds of northern lights that was used by the seed bank? Because, you know, the northern lights was like there was there was straight Afghani and then there was Afghani cross a different Afghani and there was Afghani cross Hawaiian and there was Afghani cross Mexican. And I'm like, well... They're really, really, like, really familiar. Um, the way they look, the way the plant looks, the way it grows, the color of the weed, the color of the resin, the type of resin, the fact that they're not particularly smelly in any real outstanding way. They kind of have, like, eh, they're a little sweet. They have something to them, not sweet enough to call fruity, sweet, keefy, hashy, you know, um, but I was told that the Mexican used in the Big Sur Holy Weed is Dolores. 
Um, and mine came from Big Sur, from people who have had it, I guess, since like the 70s. Um, I mean, that's the, that's the story. And this isn't from people. This is from people who are not in the whole scene of um, trying to show off any provenance or anything like that. So, you know, their story with me uh, holds water because... I'm like, hey, what are they? They're like, oh, this guy, he's our friend. You know, he's had this Mexican since the 70s. He really likes it. Um, I'm like, well, do you know where it's from? And they're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's from Dolores. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, Dolores Hidalgo is this place that's in the mountains in Mexico. Um, it makes sense that what came from there would have been something that probably would have finished a little bit quicker than other stuff after they had selected it for their climate. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, it's been in Big Sur for fucking 45 years or whatever. Um, and uh, that's the closest to what I have. So this, this year I, I made a whole bunch. Um, there's two basic types. There's one that's more of like, you know, what people would call an indica where the buds are more easy to trim and the plant is a little more squat and the buds are a little more round and fat. And uh, and when I first grew some of them a couple years ago, I went, eh, these seem like they're not the same type, like maybe they're pollution from some other line. And so this year I did a bunch of them and then I went ahead and got rid of the males that looked like that type. But I kept the girls so that I could kind of get an idea of what they are. And now at this point, I don't think they're a different type. I think they're just a little bit better of a, of a bud shape and a little bit more squat of a plant, but still the same thing. So if I make them again from the original seeds, I'll probably split them into two lines and do like open pollination with the tall slightly more leafy ones and do an open pollination with the short more golf ball-y ones and um this time what i did was i just did more of the taller ones because they were the ones that i related more to being like the true what i expected from a from a mexican type um and uh they i think are probably the ones that are a little bit more um a little bit more what I want and a little more like what our Northern Lights was. The other ones are a little bit, um, I don't know, like uh, like more of a squat little Christmas tree, more, you know, they're definitely not like, you can't say they're like an Afghani type, Indica type thing, broadleaf. They're not really, but they just have a little bit, they're a little bit less, um, they're a little bit less of a narrow leaf type. And the, the ones that are the more narrow leaf type are still like more almost like kind of like an OG plant. But the squat ones are more like an OG shaped bud, you know. So um, they're really interesting. And so, you know, I made a whole bunch of those and I asked if I could um, if I could share them. And they were like, yeah, we know, you know, they, they thought I was crazy for even, you know, wondering if I they're like yeah like what do you mean i was like well can i like make stuff with them and 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 you know do do whatever with them and they're like yeah nobody cares it's like okay cool so i think what i'm probably going to do i was going to give some of them to csi so he could look through them because he has a a really cool big sir holy weed cut um 
And then I'll probably just try to spread them around a little bit. And then, you know, somebody will be able to kind of tell if there's any, if there's any relation there. And maybe they're not just because they're, you know, um, from the same place doesn't mean that they have anything to do, except it'd be kind of weird if there was Dolores in the Big Sur Holyweed and there was Dolores in Big Sur since the 70s and they didn't have any relation. Um, that would be really fucking strange. So I think there's a relation there, but as far as Big Sur Holyweed, I don't, I can't even remember seeing it. I think I've seen some of it before. I've definitely talked to people a lot about it because people said it was so good. But um, I have some from SoCal Seeds. And then I think I have some possibly from Coastal, which are slightly different lines. And then I think Bodhi has one a little different than what Coastal has. But I... I was interested in it, but I've never actually done any of them. So I can't say like hands on what they look like in any similarity or whatever. But I will say the Dolores, I smoke and it has a very interesting potency where it kind of makes things seem like lightly absurd. Like you kind of get a chuckle out of everything from it. And when you like, you can like stare at a wall and it's not like directly visuals, but you really look and you're like, am I, is something happening? Is there like, am I getting a visual? And you're like, look and you go, no, it's normal. But you stare and you go, I, I feel like there's something, I feel like I'm almost getting like a visual here. You know, it's pretty neat. It's a cool, um, it's a cool kind of high. And I don't know. If you're a super, super heavy daily smoker like I used to always be, I don't know that you would notice that nuance of it, but um, it's definitely not just your normal high. It's definitely, um, there's definitely some, you know, narrow leaf stuff going on there. It's not a, it's not a dull high at all. It makes you feel neat, you know, there's something to it. So those are cool plants and they're really hardy. They don't mold. Um, they don't like to get PM unless you're really kind of making them unhealthy. Uh, they're not the sturdiest because they bud pretty gnarly, but like they're, they're, they're a really, really good plant. They're something that I, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely try to spread around. And I don't know how many I have now, but I think I have thousands of them. I think I have maybe like 10 girls fully seated on the late side so they're not like corn on the cob, but they're like all around the outside of the bud. There's a bunch of mature seed, you know. So there's there should be enough to um, that after you know a couple of years, there should be something that's kind of uh, around, you know. What a great answer and um, a really interesting high by the sounds of it. You mentioned in there wanting to figure out, you know, if Dolores was the same or a part of the Big Sur at least. And it made me think back to a comment you made earlier about fire loss and like how they elude relationships between strains and stuff. And I guess what I'm interested in kind of discussing is obviously people have pretty valid concerns for not trusting fire loss with genetic samples anymore. But I do wonder, 
do we have any faith in the technology? But you know, if we kind of put aside personal feelings about the people running the company and their intentions, do you, if, when something on Phylos shows something else as a relative, for example, do you put any stock in that anymore? You know, I do. <clears throat> There's levels to what they can do. So if it says something is related, it's very closely related. If it says something is not related, it might still be very closely related. And if it says something is the same, it might just be related. Meaning, if you give them S1s from a plant, they'll think they're all the same plant, but they're not. If you give them something that's been bred apart for a few generations, they'll think it's not very closely related to anything, even though it really is. So, for example, I have cherry limeade F3 in there, right? Um, they can't show that it's related to OG or Urkel or, you know, Black Lime Reserve, which is in there, um, Northern Lights. Like, I know what's in there, right? But in their analysis, they're like, oh, yeah, it's not related to anything closely. I'm like, well... There's a lot of Urkel and a lot of OG in it. I just know that, you know, um, and it just doesn't show it. So in that sense, they can't quite do what they kind of say they can do. But at the same time, it makes me realize that if they tell you that it's related, it's related. You know what I mean? And they've shown relations that are easy to know through other avenues and then you look at their thing and you go hmm, yep they know it there it is you know so um you know i it's a weird thing because it's like okay should you trust them and think that everything they say is true and no but at the same time, I'm like, I, I don't really see what I lost by having my stuff in there. Um, I didn't really gain much. But with certain samples, I think you could, you know, there is something to gain. I think it might be worth putting in Big Sur Holy Weed and putting in Dolores. But knowing what I know, it's likely that because Big Sur Holy Weed has been bred several times and Dolores has been bred several times, they probably won't show um, any relation even if they were related because what they're good at showing is when things are sisters or parents or progeny. Um, as soon as something's not a first cousin or a second cousin, it seems like they kind of can't see it. And as soon as something is a full um like as soon as something is an s1 and there's no outside genetics then there's no outside genetics so it's obviously the same but that's not true you know so they'll tell you that ghost og skywalker and every other og cut are all the same cut so when you grow them 
you'll think, oh, well, there must have just been some kind of, uh, you know, epigenetics or something happened where this got turned on and that got turned off. And then, you know, it caused this uh, outward appearance of a mutation so that now it seems like this one's different than this one. But look, there's the genetic test. They're both the same. It's like, nah, they're, they're not, they're not the same because people have actually taken a couple S ones that they know they started themselves from seed and sent them in. And they're like, yep, this is all, all three of these are one plant. And they're like, no, I popped those. And I know I didn't mix up the samples. And they're like, yeah, sorry. I guess you, you, you mixed it up. Like I asked them on their, on one of their, like on their Instagram one time, I was like, Hey, like, you know, do you guys realize that you can't tell the difference between plants from seed that come from one parent with no outside influence? And they were like, no, we can tell the difference. If we say it's the same, it's the same. And I was like, you can't, though. And they didn't want to admit that, which to me was, you know, uh, a fundamental issue in, in, in scientific work. Like, you know, a scientist has to be able to go, oh, there's an anomaly here. OK, well, let's look into that as opposed to going, no, our 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 technique is sound. It's like, eh, you know. You have to be able to throw everything away that you thought right now, everything, you know, if you want to be actual, you know, if you want to be a real scientist, you have to be able to, to be able to be handed new evidence and be able to throw away every fucking thing you knew yesterday and go, hmm, we have a new understanding today. That's what science is. Otherwise, if you, if you just cling to thinking you're right, that's, that's not what science is. Science is based on, so, you know, science science is is uh, is, is data driven, you know, and evidence driven. It's not based on, you know, just thinking that if it's if it's if it's like this, it's like this. It's like no, this evidence says it's not like this. But anyway, you know, so th- those are the issues that I see with their thing. Um, I see issues with them ethically. Um, because of what they did, they basically told the community this this data is completely worthless. And they told their investors this data is completely priceless. And one of those things is a lie. So either you're lying to your investors or you're lying to the people who are paying you to do analysis. And, um, you know, I think they were not lying to the investors. I think that they were creating a, a data set that was actually a valuable um, a valuable thing because, you know, we, we don't really know the other stuff that they were doing besides that little galaxy stuff. They also could be putting things together and they said, it's worthless because we don't know about the plant. So if you don't have the plant, you don't know what it is, but it's like, ah, so you don't already have a description of an OG. Like they do have a description of what it is. And when they can find these things that pop up, Commonly, they could find markers and they could do marker assisted breeding and they could use that data to drive their breeding program, which they basically admitted was what they were going to do. And, uh, you know, that's that seems like some bullshit to me. But at the same time, like I said, I'm not completely against giving them something. It's just that when you give them something, they should be saying, hey, you give us something and you're going to pay us money and we're going to make money off what you give us too. 
And for me, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I maybe I'll give you something, but I don't want to pay you because you guys are already making money on the back end. So fuck that, you know? That's my take on their on their operation. I think a lot of people will rightly feel the same way as you and uh, it's kind of quite backroom shady practices or the trying to selling of the data they did. I think I heard or read somewhere, probably read somewhere that like they tried to sell the data set to a big ag company and because of the exact reasons you kind of discussed, the big ag were like, this data's useless, like it's incomplete. But it's just kind of funny that it, they might have like screwed over themselves in all regards. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of feel like that's their story is that the data was incomplete and worthless. Um, and that that's what they said to cover their ass. And once again, like I, I can't say that that's true or that it's untrue, but I kind of feel like if they had a pretty thorough analysis of all these different things, I feel like there's probably a way that they could have looked at commonalities between certain things and seen a trend enough to know if they did a little research that, oh, these are the strains that are powdery mildew resistant. And look, they all have this in common. And these are the strains that are high THC and they all have this in common. These are just examples. I don't know that they would really need any of yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like if they collected that many plants and they say, oh, well, you have to have the plant to be able to know what these things mean. I feel like you don't really necessarily have to. I think all you would really have to do is know the outward features of the phenotypes of these plants and be able to see trends. You know what I mean? To be able to say, these are the genes that rule potency. These are the genes that rule high terpene content. These are the genes that rule mold resistance. These are the genes that rule, um, that control um, fast rooting. These are the genes that 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 control fast, uh, you know, the the fastest maturing um, samples. Like those things aren't that hard. It's not that hard to to find those things out, in my opinion. You know, to know like, um, you know, I mean, I don't know how much of that they really got, but it it's just, I don't know. I I, I feel like they're they're they're. Um, even if it was worthless to them, they could have made it worth something, you know? I don't know. It's just a just a theory, but, you know, I mean, I feel like you could kind of go through and, and, and do a little research and go, oh, what's good about this plant? What's good about that plant? What's good about this one? And put that all into your program and go, oh, these all have this in common. And look, hey, they have these markers this is the thing they all share in common. So that must be, it must be this gene or it must be these, you know, 32 genes, these control this when they're all, when they're all here, that may, that means you get this, this is purple weed. This is mold proof weed or whatever it is. Cause that's what, you know, that's what other people went through and did. They went, okay, this is the gene that controls, um, THC. 
And then they got rid of that and they went, oh, shit, that was also the gene that controlled mold resistance. So when you get rid of the THC to make hemp, then you just destroyed mold resistance. So now all these people who have this, who, who, who spent this money to in their breeding program to go, oh, well, our hemp will never have THC because we went right around that gene. We don't even have that gene present in this population. Then they grew it and they found out, oh, shit, that also adds mold resistance. So they had all this perfect hemp that all rotted in the fields because they had completely eliminated it when they just needed to figure out how to minimize THCA. They eliminated THCA and all their crops rotted, you know. So, however, those guys went about getting that data. I would imagine that phylos could have done the same thing with all the samples they had as they analyzed them as well you know i mean i don't know but it just seems like that would be a practical thing to do with such a huge collection of various genetics you know i don't know how many samples they took in but it was a lot they have a pretty big galaxy there'd definitely be some trends there i think it's called concordance of like traits or something but um Definitely, definitely still valid points. Kind of on that same topic of being a bit skeptical of sort of bigger ag, big companies in general. I remember about four or five years ago when um, REC in Cali rolled through, there was this big fear that like the big sort of companies were going to come in and just build these huge facilities, just pump out production, drive the prices down and, you know, everyone was going to lose it seems as though over the past year or two, we've seen kind of the opposite in that, I mean, at least in Canada, for example, some of the biggest producers are just failing and just losing. I think the industry lost billions of dollars over the past financial year. And I know that there aren't any notably big companies in the States who are just on top of the game. Like they're all kind of producing lesser quality stuff. Do you think that this is like an accurate sort of portrayal of things? Do you think like the bigger companies are going to generally continue to struggle to produce good quality product? And do you think that the small time producers will have a chance to jump back into the game? Well, it's an interesting thing. And I probably shouldn't even really tell them, but the, 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 the people who had the big bucks and could afford to bully their way into the market I think they could have probably done all right if they would have come in and understood that you need to have minimal investment in infrastructure and minimal investment um, in, you know, in, in various aspects, but really focused on, okay, who can we get that can really grow weed that already grows weed? How do they do it? And let's invest in them and give them the ability to grow more weed. Um, And then kind of rolled with it. But instead, what they kind of tried to do, it seems, uh, it seems like they came in and they went, okay, we have money. And this was no shock to anybody, but we have a lot of money. We'll come in and we will do everything the way all these dumbasses should have been doing it, but they're all dumb dope growers. So they don't know how to do this shit. We're going to come in here with a real professional shit. We're going to build this $250 million greenhouse complex. And we're going to get a bunch of fucking random people. And we're just going to tell them how to do it because it's just a plant and people grow plants all the time. And we're going to, we're going to be bigger and better. 
Um, and I, you know, I think they just kind of dropped the ball with that mentality. It seems like, I mean, I'm not on the inside, but, um, it's nuts. Cause I see the facilities that they built out and I'm like, you know, guys, you could have just, instead of building those fucking, you know, 150 greenhouses, you guys could have just built like four of them and got a guy who's used to growing like a quarter of that and got him some good help where he could just point, point fingers and tell them, tell, tell the workers what to do. Um, and they could have, they could have taken, you know, somebody's existing expertise and scaled it up by giving them the ability to do that and it would work and I feel like that's kind of what the little guys did um, because they had a better idea of how shit really works and so I think it gave them the advantage um, and when I say little guys I don't mean little little guys but I mean like you know jungle boys or whoever seems to be kind of hanging in there. Um, it just seems like uh, it's a really hard thing to do if you're just going to come in from the outside and just have it work. And I mean, I I can tell you that because I, I know what it was like to try to figure it out. It wasn't easy. And, um, you know, I did a lot of dumb shit when I started. And you think you can try this and, you know, you know what to do. You know what you're doing. And then you're like, huh, okay, well, that didn't work. But at least I didn't invest $300 million into it, and then it didn't work. Because when you do that, it's like, well, how are you going to, you know, everybody thought they'll just have endless money to put into it, but they, you know, they don't have that much money, you know? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I think everything, I think in general, the way everything works is everything's kind of designed for the bigger people to do the best and they still have the advantage and they came in and did stuff so miserably that they still fucked it off. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the way, the way everything's set up is like, if you're the big, if you're the big company, if you're, Walmart, if you're Amazon, if you're Costco, if you're whatever the biggest things are, that's the easiest things in these times to really have be like sustainable and keep going, you know, like the bigger, the better. And um, if you look at though the way those things operate, though, it's like they really figure out, okay, what are, what are we really trying to do? What kind of service are we bringing um, you know, it's like they, 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 they figure it out and then they get it right. I'm sure a lot of people tried and failed. Um, there was probably a lot of competitors to Amazon or to Walmart at the same time, but, um, you know, maybe we'll see that. Maybe there'll be this one company that actually didn't, you know, fuck everything off. But, um, I don't know at this point it's looking like, um, you know, they're making it really hard for the little guy, but the little guy still understands what it's like to do something that's really fucking hard because that's what they're used to. And the big guys are maybe a little a little too comfortable with how they did stuff, you know? And I don't really know. Like I said, I'm not in the inside of it, so I don't know exactly what goes wrong. But I do I do see what goes right for people. 
And it's usually, you know, a guy who's good at doing 20 lights. So he goes, we're going to do 200 lights and I'm going to hire six guys. And then they, you know, they're able to, they're able to do it. They keep it going and, and it's able to work, you know, as opposed to somebody who's used to running zero lights and they decide they're going to do 2,600 lights. And then, you know, they just fucking, it's a, it's a weird thing. It's really easy to have huge disasters when you're trying to grow plants. And then it's not like it's even regular agriculture. It's this weird, massive horticulture in a sense, because it's, you're growing indoor on a huge scale in these greenhouses. So I don't know. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. I mean, the pressure in those operations from pests and pathogens and stuff is huge. And then it's all, you know, it's monocropping and there's a lot of room for a lot of room for error. So, you know, hopefully the, the little guys can continue to make it. It just seems like it's, it's almost impossible for the big guys to do it. And then they try to make it really, really hard for the little guys to get their foot in the door. And, um, you know, like I, it's just this kind of, um, kind of fucked up balance of stuff, you know, but, um, I, you know, I, I hope, I hope, I hope it's the, the little guys went out and the big guys can't make it, you know, and, um, that would be great, but we'll, you know, we'll see where it's going. It's really interesting to see, I'm really happy to see, like, you know, you're looking on something and they're like, oh, $250 million greenhouses, and they're just shutting them down. They're not going to reopen them. I'm like, wow, okay, sweet. Because, uh, you know, nobody needed that shit. That was a weird, that was a weird play in the first place. Like, what are they going to produce out of that? It's just going to be a bunch of, you know, it's weird. It's like an operation to make really good weed. But it's on such a big scale, it'll never make really good weed. So the same dudes who did that, they should have just planted fucking 150 acres of hemp and sold CBD all over the world or something. But um, instead, they spend a million times as much money and then they, you know, frazzle out. It's a weird, uh, it's, 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 it's silly, you know, it's a funny thing to watch. Yeah, understandable. And do you think that, the average grower or consumer is in any better position after the changes brought in with legalization and if you could make say a couple of small changes to the laws that would ideally improve you know the lives of growers are there any that immediately jump to mind that you'd want to do i remember that for a long time there was the discussion about the uh i think it was like the one acre per farm sort of thing do you have any ideas like that I mean, my opinion of the whole thing is that they already know how crazy the economy is fed by cannabis in general. It's huge. Um, I felt like if they would have made it so that you can have weed stores, but if you want a store, you have to sell safe tested product. And if you want to sell at a store, you have to have safe tested product. Um, and then maybe make one little regulation that um, it's illegal to sell something that has something that's toxic and make a list, you know, so that there's some kind of recourse if it turns out that somebody, oh, these people are selling all this stuff and it turns out, oh, it's poisoned or whatever, you know. 
Um, but I, I felt like if they would have just kind of made it so that it's like, oh, cool, everybody can do what they want, but it is capped, you know, like uh, maybe if you want to grow more than 100 plants, you need to have a permit or something like that. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if you're going to pr- produce more than 100 pounds a year, then you have to have a permit, but you can go ahead and just produce that because it's just, it's fucking weed. It's pretty much harmless, you know? Um, it's pretty low impact if you're not growing a ton. And then if you do want to grow a whole lot of weed, then cool, get a permit, you know? But basically, like, I, I think, you know, this is just me throwing it out there and I'm not sitting down in a, in a room and we're not writing it all down and figuring out what's really the best. But <clears throat> I think stuff could have been kind of more, just just more vague like that, being that we already had a functioning system of people growing weed and smoking weed and selling weed. And I wasn't hearing about people having a bunch of bad experiences from bad weed or any of this kind of stuff. The, the, the only stuff I can find that's really bad about weed is prohibition. You get busted or the price gets artificially inflated, which causes a lot of crime because now there's too much money in the business that wouldn't exist if it was legal because everything would level out and a lot of people wouldn't be doing it. And a lot of people who have no opportunities who find themselves in weird positions doing shady shit, they could just fucking sell some weed instead. You know, if you have a neighborhood where people are all just hanging out like shit, you could have a couple people selling sacks there. And, you know, you might have somebody selling this weed, this person selling that weed. Like, it's a really great um, tool for an economy because people want weed. It's good for them. does a lot of good stuff. makes people feel good. People are interested in it. So it's not like one is the same as all of it. It's not like selling hard drugs where one person's hard drug is the same as any other hard drug. Like It's not like people want a different flavor of heroin or a different flavor of crack. They just are trying to get it. So one person can lock down the whole trade. But with weed, it's like, oh, well, yeah, that person might have locked down OG, but this guy doesn't like OG. He wants sour. Well, this guy over here, he's selling sour. And it's it, as an economy, it's really a lot more. It, it's like such a neat thing the way it exists um, for people. It can be used for a lot. So like for me, it's like make it legal. And if people do other shit that's already a crime with it, maybe you'd have to add, like I said, okay, well, you're selling unsafe weed. That's not, uh, there's no law for that because all weed's illegal, but you make it legal, you go, well, it has to be safe weed. Maybe make that, you know, some kind of a offense. But other than that, like, you know, like, hey, you rob somebody for weed? Well, fuck, it's already illegal to rob somebody. Oh, you fucking you know you smoked weed and you drove something and you fucking drove somebody off the road fucking because you're not used to it or you ate some crazy edibles and passed out or some shit which probably wouldn't happen but that's what people are afraid of well sweet it's already fucking illegal so like there's no reason for just a drug to carry a crime for the drug just make all the dumb shit people do that's illegal that's what's fucking illegal you know that's all that's the only way you really have to do stuff um, the way that they did everything with so much regulation and everything, it just, it's, uh, to me, it's just backwards from the start. Like you got a plant, let people grow the plant. And then, you know, like it, it, when everybody was making tons of, of money, it's funny cause they go, 
okay, we want to get uh, we want to get our money from the taxes. And everybody goes, yeah, that's good, the tax money, the tax money. It's like, well, when weed was illegal, but everybody was making billions of dollars off of it in California, because they say it's like a $10 billion business or something in California. Well, the state was realistically already making probably a billion dollars just off a of sales tax. And every time there's a tax on all these other things that are on all these different things, like, you know, you got different taxes that go into, you got hotel taxes, you got gas tax, you got tobacco tax, you got all these things. Well, guess where the money comes from that is getting taxed when you buy all these things. It's coming from a lot of weed trade. So now they're like, oh, yeah, we're doing good. We made a billion dollars in California off the weed trade this year. I'm like, well, but you just, they say 8.7 billion that they didn't tax. So I'm like, well, if it was 10 billion and you guys already had an 8% sales tax plus all these other random taxes that are all worked into everything, some of them that are high, like, Hotel rooms in San Francisco is like 22% and shit, hotel tax. Like all these things that are producing all this stuff, the money's all coming from it. I'm like, well, sweet. So now you guys are getting your billion dollars, but you've always been getting a fucking billion dollars. If the trade is $10 billion and you guys have been getting 10% of everybody's money, not to mention everybody who was who has a business and has a like you got a restaurant the people coming into your restaurant a bunch of them are spending weed money well the owner of that restaurant pays income tax you know a lot of these people who grow weed and have money they might be they might have a they might have another business and that business is paying income tax there's all this stuff where there's all this different shit going on and by having a healthy economy they're making billions of dollars anyway so they just want to be able to count it. But it's like nobody realizes they were already getting a billion dollars. Now they're like, woohoo, we made a billion dollars off of weed this year. It's like, you know, same fucking old billion dollars, except now uh, there's a bunch of people who, you know, are, uh, you know, not, not, you know, and then I got to wonder about the, the biggest, the biggest corporations and shit who are, do have these $250 million greenhouses. Like, those people might be paying the taxes on stuff now and on like the weed and everything. But <clears throat> as soon as they were in the game for a little while and they lobby for shit to change and all this and those little fucking rules and loopholes and their fucking fancy fucking attorneys and all this shit, th those people probably would have been just like all the other rich people who don't really fucking pay taxes anyway. Um, so, why give it to them, you know? And the rich people don't spend money at the little businesses. The rich people don't, the, the, the money doesn't really fucking, you know, or we're just talking to the, talking about this the other night on this, with some buddies on a, on a zoom thing, like the money, the money from little people who have their little weed or their little business or whatever they do that are, you know, they, they don't make that much money. That money goes everywhere. Not only does it go into the, not only do they walk into the little liquor store, the little, the little general store, the grocery store, the clothing store, the restaurant, all this different shit, they do all that. And then they also pay the money that goes to the government. And then, okay, it's going up to these people who have more and 
the people who, you know, it's also going to Walmart and Amazon and these bigger corporations too. But you don't see, you're not going to see Bezos or Gates or any of these really rich people. Their money doesn't go to the little businesses. It's just not how it works. They're not taking their money and going and shopping at the little store. They're not going and buying their clothes at the little store. They're not doing the, the money from up there never comes back down, but the money from the bottom goes up. So you really want the shit to be healthy on a small level and it'll feed the big level, you know, but the way the whole system is set up is to favor those bigger players and their, their shit doesn't go down. So it just, it, it's not a, uh, it's not a healthy model and it's not a real form of capitalism. Um, it's just a weird, it's a weird perverted capitalism. That's more, uh, predatory and like, it's more like, uh, more like barons and peasants, you know? So, um, you know, hopefully we see that. Hopefully the small guys can 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 do well and it can shift a little. And we see, you know, maybe it's one thing where like they have the advantage and it pans out over time. And I think it can, but like that's a that's a crazy thing. I don't think that there's any um, there's any point to trying to you know feed these 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 uh, fat cats when they're not really the the money goes with them and it stays with them. And if you, uh, if the money comes from the, from the little guys, the money goes everywhere. It goes all around and it goes up to the top too. So that's, in my opinion, just on looking at things and through history and what's been helpful and, uh, mechanically what works, you know, the whole trickle down shit is total bullshit. Um, and, uh, and having a small, having a healthy economy on the, and the small, um, level and the little guys, is where things really go. And just by leaving people to do whatever they wanted with weed, like it was basically in 215, if they would have basically just stopped putting people in jail um, and tell people you can't sell poisonous weed, pretty much would have solved the whole thing. And maybe one day we'll get to that point, you know? And if that, if, if we got to that point, that's when I would say, okay, that's where it should be. It's um, if you want to have a big business, cool. Maybe you need to be regulated because you're big. But if you just got a little bit of weed, you should just be able to do whatever the fuck you want with it, in my opinion. you know. Totally. And what an insightful sort of uh, take on the whole situation. If we kind of look at uh, one of the people who the public sometimes forget are, in fact, uh, one of the smaller guys we reference, Jungle Boys. They're certainly doing things right and uh, getting a little bigger, but still smaller guys compared to the big ag. I wanted to bring them up because recently an interview came out with them where they said they don't cure their flour before sale. And when Ivan was pressed a little bit about why that is, he says, oh, you know, it's because um, the terps are like at their most highest concentration and they're kind of most popping at that point. So my question is, do you think that all weed should be cured? And do you kind of understand this underlying idea that he's presenting that like the most freshest the cannabis is ever going to be is before a cure? I mean, I've seen some weed and I know like with like um, some crazy narrow leaf stuff like that would never be anything they'd be growing because it's not practical and it's not so much what people want, you know. 
Um, I think some of those things are better after they sit and cure. But I think for people who just want really loud, stinky weed with the most terps and the brightest color and kind of what people want in the market, I think people do want fresh weed, you know. And I am of the opinion that when your weed is when your weed is dry, like I don't put weed away when it's a little wet and burp it. Like to me, that always winds up fermenting the weed. And I've done it side by side, lots of different ways, on accident, on purpose, jars, bags, tubs, whatever. And to me, you dry the weed so that it takes a while to get dry and you keep it cool. And when it gets done, to me, that's it. It's there. Like, you know, I, I, uh, I believe that the drying process is the cure. And to me, that takes between two and three weeks, ideally about three weeks to really be there. And at that point, it should be all the way dry and you put it away. And I don't think it ever gets any better unless maybe it's, like I said, an odd, a odd type, you know. But as far as if you're growing like OG and cookies, derivatives and all these things, I think, you know, that it that it should be it should be hanging up until it is dry throughout. And that at that point, you should be able to put it away and it should be sticky and dank. And the stems should be snappy and dry. The weed should be sticky and it should be dry weed, as dry as you want it. And that's it. And you seal it up and it's done, you know, and that's how um, that's how it comes out best for me. That's the way that it smells like what it's supposed to smell like. And it tastes like what it's supposed to taste like. Like that is its identity captured. Like you wanted OG? Well, smell this. This is OG. And you're like, damn, that's fucking good. And if you put it away when it's a little moist and you burp it and shit, it'll just, you're just going to make it smell like dough. You know, it's just going to get um, fermented and there's going to be, you know, funk and it's not you're gonna lose it's it's gonna lose its sharpness you know in in my experience so the reason why i asked that question actually is because i noticed while reading the sky cuddler kush description you mentioned that it has a long shelf life and it kind of got me thinking about the two polar ends of the spectrum where you know you've got ivan saying it's best at the start but then you're kind of introducing this idea that these genetics are designed to kind of retain the terps and it's going to have a longer shelf life and a stability in that regard. Do you think that's kind of an accurate take on the situation? And um, as a, like a bit of a follow-up, do you think that it might benefit shops or sellers to think about this and try to stock like one of each so they've got like both the short and long-term covered? Yeah, I mean, there's certain things like, um, you know, I say like, like the Sky Cuddler Kush has, Sky Cuddler Kush, Jaro, Root Beer, they have good shelf life because of the type of resin that they have. The resin stays in the resin. Like, it is on the weed, but it's where it is, and it stays there, and it's solid, and it's not greasy. Um, something like Cherry Limeade, when it sits, the resin is so um oily 
and the resin heads have such a thin membrane um, that it actually the the weed itself will soak up the resin because it's 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 wet. It's not wet, but the oil is um, the oil is so thin and runny in a sense. You know what I mean? that it wants to soak into the weed. And so it turns the weed dark. It stays tasty. It's not like there's anything wrong with it, but it's like you look at cherry limeade fresh. And it's not every plant, but most of them. You look at it fresh and it looks incredible. And then you have it for three or four weeks and you're like, oh, it looks really dark. And it almost looks like what other weed looks like if you were to go to fuck up and go, oops, I spilled some oil on it or... Um, you know, somebody was being a goofball and dipped it in fucking, uh, you know, like the first step of moon rocks or some shit. It's just like, it's greasy and dark. And if you're really, um, if you really know what's up with it, then you just look at it and you go, Ooh, damn crazy. You know, like that's nice. And you can appreciate it, but people want a certain type of product presented to them when they buy a jar or a bag of weed. Um, and it doesn't really fit. So for a smoker, if I give you some year-old cherry limeade and it's all greased out, you're like, ooh, damn, okay, this is nice. And you roll it up and you're like, shit, how's that so tasty? So technically, it has a great shelf life too. But the Sky Cuddler Kush, you'll look at it when it's fresh and you'll look at it in a month and it'll be the exact same weed. But it's not that it gets better a month later. It's just that it doesn't get worse looking. So that's why I say it has good shelf life. It's not like it's improving, but it's not going down the tubes visually. Now, the cherry limeade isn't going down the tubes as far as what you're going to smoke. You're going to smoke it and it's going to be dank. But people are going to look at it and be like, eh, it's dark. It's not shiny. Why does it look like that? There's something wrong with it. And you have to be educated to know that, oh, that's because it has, it's approaching five and 6% terpenes on it. And the type of terpenes it has are the type that want to basically soak into anything it's next to. And so it, it breaks itself down with, with, with this very fine oil. Um, and it actually is, is a sign of its quality that it looks so terrible. You know, but there's no way to explain that to somebody who just grabbed a jar and looks inside and goes, what do these guys sell me? I don't want this anymore, you know. So um, there's definitely a thing to shelf life. I think it's even discussed in marijuana botany back in the 80s, like some weed lasts and looks pretty. Some doesn't. Some weed drops its resin easily. So if you handle it, a lot of the resin winds up at the bottom of the bag and it doesn't look as pretty and some holds on to its resin and like there's different there's different um qualities to the way resin is on a plant that make it good for some things and not as good for others like cherry limeade the shelf life on it flavor wise is amazing but the color gets dark so if you wanted to sell pre-rolls you you sell pre-rolls of cherry limeade people get a pre-roll and they and it goes through the whole system and they get away later and they smoke it they're like damn this is still really bomb Whereas some of the stuff that might look pretty at that point, it doesn't, it hasn't maintained its funk like something with so much terpenes would, like the cherry limeade. So you have to kind of know what product you're trying to make. And then you have to make, you know, you want to make, 
tomato sauce, you use a sauce tomato. You know, you wanna you wanna ship tomatoes. You use the the one that's gonna ship the best. You wanna use <clears throat> you wanna make like ketchup. You want a sweeter tomato or whatever it is. You know, you don't wanna use a you don't wanna use a Carolina Reaper to make pico de gallo to fucking sell to everybody. Like you're gonna have to tell people what that is, and people have to know what that is. You know, so like everything's got its place, but. What people want right now in a lot of cases is what pleases the most people and needs the least explanation. You look in there, you go, whoa, that's some shit. Boom, you got it. And that's why there's such a popularity with cookie derivatives and things that are, you know, have OG in them or whatever, because you just take a look and you go, huh, this seems like it's pretty crazy. This is not, you know. This isn't the weed at home, you know? This is something that, and that's why they call it exotic, because it looks like something crazy. And people people laugh at that, because they're like, well, it's common, so it's not exotic, but it's still, you know, it's still the look of, um, of what people kind of has that knee-jerk reaction, and it's a, a crowd-pleaser, all those kind of looks. Um, so, you know, people buy something, they want a lot of resin, um, it's nice if it has, if it has a look to it where you go, Ooh, that's pretty. It's not just plain, you know, purple weed. The first time someone sees purple weed, I guarantee every time they go, Whoa, what's up with that? Is that real? It's like, yeah, it grows like that. Well, what does it, do they dye it? Is it watered with dye? Is it, you know, it's, it, it's not real. Right. And like, you know, then people have seen purple weed for a while. They're like, Oh, whatever. It's purple. Who cares? You know, but it's, it's, uh, you know, the market is, is selling to people who are um, impressed at certain things. So I think like, uh, you know, shelf life is good on, in certain ways for certain things, uh, you know, and then there's other types of shelf life. And then, but like, you know, something like I was talking about is just like, you look at it in a jar and it's a few months old and you're like, boom, this is nice, good fresh weed. So it sits and it lasts, you know, um, but you know, it, it doesn't have to sit to get good and it doesn't have to be totally fresh to be good. And that's, that's, what's good. I mean, any, any, any kind of agricultural thing, you really want the shelf life, you know, you want an apple, you can ship, you want a tomato, you can ship, you don't want it to go bad in two days, but in, you know, like with like heirloom tomatoes, the best ones, they get really juicy. And if you stack them up, they'll squash each other and they you know, to, the best strawberries have too much sugar. They'll they'll rot really fast. You have to pick them and eat them right away. And that's like something like cherry limeade. It's killer, but it's not really fit for being packaged up. And um, you know, so there's that there's that thing there where a fruit or a vegetable it has to be able to ship. It has to be able to sit. It has to be able to look good to the most people, even if the people who know the most might think it doesn't look the best. Um, you know, that's with mar with marketing things. That's what people are trying to hit. They're going, you know, they want to they want to have the most sales to the most people the most often, and they want to have the most return customers. And um, you know, you try different things, and certain things work. And it might not, you know, they might not be the best to certain people, but if they average out at being the best to the most people, then there's your product. You know, that's what a hit record is. That's what a hit pair of shoes is. That's what you know, whatever, whatever it is, those are the things that catch on and, and get, uh, you know, get some steam. Yeah, wow. There's certainly a lot more complexities than what might seem apparent on the surface, isn't there? 
Speaking of uh, loud terps, I've been wanting to follow up with you about one of the favorite things I tried from you, the Mayalemski project. Have you figured out what is your favorite pairing with this one? For the listeners who aren't aware, this is a, a cut that Gene has that's like tangy on steroids and also roid raging and also even then way better and different to that. <laughs> Yeah, so it's actually a seed line, which is cool because it's totally every every plant has the same has the same terps, and there's a slight variation. Some are a little better smelling than others, but um, my buddy Jim had it, and he had been calling it Lemon Kush, and I told him, "Hey, there's already a Lemon Kush," and he goes, "Well, I used to call it Green Lantern, but then I heard these gangster rappers rapping about Green Lantern, and then." So then I changed it from that, and so I changed it to Lemon Kush, and I go, well, there's a Lemon Kush too, you know? And he's like, oh, shit, okay, well, and I, I go, you know, it's not so much that you don't want to use the same name, but I go, there's people who think of it as, like, being, like, a, a train wrecky kind of a thing, you know, that people, uh, when they hear Lemon, you know, like, it's, like, a, a, a different thing, and he's like, oh, okay, well, you know, I don't know, whatever, and he didn't really care, and and uh i was like i was like shit it smells like meyer lemons you know like it's like lemon but it's really sharp and then it actually when it finished it developed this passion fruit grapefruit thing you know but i was like oh i'm gonna call it meyer lemsky meyer lemsky like meyer lansky and meyer lemons you know and um and uh you know so i called it that for when i when i worked it for myself i haven't done anything with it but i told him i'm all hey i gave it this handle and he was like, oh, cool, right on, you know, and he, he didn't really care. He's just, his, it's his old stuff. So what it is, is it's old. He had this old uh, Santa Marta gold from, from the 70s. And then somebody passed him a joint and it was this killer, uh, it was this killer weed. And he's like, man, that's the tastiest joint ever. And he was like, what's that? And they're all, oh, it's called Indica. And he's all, hmm, Indica, huh? So this was like 83 or 82 or I don't know, sometime back then. And it was, uh, it was like, you know, an Afghani or Pakistani, and it was just like that really good, nice, um, you know, those best ones that are like Hindu, you know, the really tasty, deep, rich flavor, like what I call Big Blue or kind of like what the Black Affy is and, um, you know, from his description. And he and he was like, yeah, it's, that's killer. And the guy was like, the guy was like, oh, cool, you like it here? And he had like two or three seeds from rolling the joint, and he gave them to him. And so he planted them and he crossed them. And then he said like late 80s. He got the stuff that they called the red vein, which I think, based on the neighborhood he was out of, that it probably is is related to what we call the perp, which is in the black lime and the pina, and um, has the reddish purple stems. And um, but I'm not positive of that, but it makes sense. And so he said he crossed those together, and then he just started breeding them every year. So they don't have the red the red veins anymore um they don't have the colombian stretch they're these squat little indica plants they don't produce quite as much resin as you want them to have but the terpene levels are insane and it smells like meyer lemon grapefruit passion fruit which is like my very favorite tangy throws that are really rare and pop out like in the sour tangy too um but instead of it being like this rare thing and being mixed in with like, you know, like kind of like train wreck terps and stuff like how tangy seed is, it's just all of that. And then every once in a while, one's a little toned down or one has like a hint of some other kind of like 
sweet banana or whatever kind of thing in it. Um, but pretty much they all do that. And when you cross it with anything, everything turns into that terp. Like it bullied the hell out of GMO and turned it into purple Meyer Lemsky with tons of resin. So that one's promising. Um, and then there's some other ones too. And skunk tech was the one that made the outcrosses. I crossed it with lime. I haven't grown them yet. And I made a ton of the pure seed because as soon as I planted them, I looked at the seedlings and I was like, these are killer right here. And by the time I found out the backstory on them, um, I already had plants that were like butted out and I was smelling them and I was like, what the hell are these? And then I, I got them from, from Jim's daughter and then, um, in, in a little trade with them. And then I saw him and I go, what is the story, dude? And that was when he told me what they were. And, uh, so it's just a really neat, um, pure line from the eighties of all old seventies and eighties stuff. And, uh, it's one of those things where, if it was put out pure, people would be like, nah, this is, I don't want this. This, does, this doesn't have enough resin. Although, uh, if you make oil off of it, it is insane. And it, it tastes really good, too. It just doesn't look. It's like how Skittles looks like it's not that good, but then it's tasty. It's like that, except the oil is like tasty as tasty or tastier than skittles but the weed is like worse looking so it's a little greener it's a little more bright but it just it doesn't look like there's a lot of resin on it but what's cool is you take that and you cross it with anything that's super resinous and it just comes across in every plant on the terps so eventually i'll probably do um something with it but um, at this point, we haven't done anything with any of the crosses because we didn't want to step on toes. And uh, I had talked to him about, you know, if I ever do anything, like, is it cool? And, you know, what will we can do some kind of split on it because it's your old genetics and stuff. And he was totally down. But um, I just haven't ever put any more focus into it. I have thousands of the of the pure seeds I made. I think I did like six different plants and they were all killer. But I have like the the best three put aside oh nice well, look i'm sure when the time's right you'll uh, you'll do something special with them when i was looking at some of your other strains it made me realize that many of your lines we see a lot of resistance to mold and to rot and to drought and i think that's obviously because for the longest time you're growing outdoors and those are obviously like really important factors but kind of if we think about the producers we were talking about a few questions back, do you think that some of these traits might ever start to become more seen or try to be expressed by these companies because there are so many companies moving into greenhouse cultivation and like many of these problems like mold rot um, are just some of the biggest issues these larger producers face? Yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a quite a bit of focus on it already, um, depending on who the, who the people are. Um, people who have dealt with those issues are the people who are more likely to kind of steer in those directions. Um, so, you know, I think right now, it, I think there's a lot of stuff going on that hasn't really been seen yet. I think right now there's probably already people in labs get, finding all the markers for all these desirable things and making it so that 
you could basically send them samples of your plants and they'd say, hey, here's your male that won't that, that will breed for no mold, for no mildew, for this pest resistance, for whatever it is. I think it's already being done and it's just not really quite um, it hasn't the, the wave hasn't quite hit, but I think it's already sitting out there. You know what I mean? I think it's already uh, I think it's already a thing. For sure. I think it just there's people who have already done it out of necessity. And um, and I'm not the only one, you know, uh, BioVortex, Green Source, Gardens, I think they're called uh, uh, Homegrown Natural Wonders, Odie and Mush. Um, you know, there's they're they're out there. There's people there's people doing it, you know, Um and then I, but but I think that also there's people involved in big ag who are, who are doing the same thing behind the scenes, and that'll be that'll be the new. I think in a year or two that'll be the big marketing push. Oh, buy our pounds of hemp seed because it's you know it will get zero mold. You know They're, they'll they'll figure out um, things that offer resistance and and see what really really does that. You know. Yeah. Sure. So earlier on in the episode, we spoke about the Emerald Cup and the Ego Clash. There's been a lot of sort of mixed thoughts about some of the bigger events recently, particularly as they sort of rebrand themselves, especially the Emerald Cup as sort of a more casual smoker event. It's not as catering as much to the hardcore growers, especially not the breeders and the sellers. Do you see yourself continuing to go to these events or do you think the smaller ones like the Ego Clash are going to bloom more and become the mainstay of the industry? Um, you know, I kind of like the, I like the aspect of, of the, of the big shows just because they, they put the most people in, in, in one place. Um, so it's like a super cool, uh, it's a cool opportunity to meet the people who you might not meet at the smaller ones. I think probably the most, really the, the, the most uh, kind of renowned official real head event is the ego clash that B puts on um, because he's the most like connoisseur minded. He's, you know, kind of has, uh, he, he, he has a really good uh, feel for terps and quality and, um, and has that focus he's one of the one of the best at that and recognizes that in other people and 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 reaches out to the right people to where if you win that to me that's the one that's like damn okay um you you really had some shit because it's blind and it's the same people who enter who are judging and it's kind of uh more of an invitation only um, and so I think, you know, that, that, that's the more like the serious one, but there's, you know, an event isn't only about the contest and how official it is. An event is also about a social space and, um, a gathering of people. And, um, you know, when it's opened up to so many people from everywhere and it's just whoever, you know, there, there's an aspect there that's kind of cool. And um, so, you know, I support both both sides and I think they both have their own, uh, they both have their own thing going to them, you know, going for them. And I think, uh, 
you know i think they both deserve their their respect in their in their own space and that um what the emerald cup was for a while is kind of now what the ego clash is where it's like okay that's the most uh probably respectable award you can get but i think that the emerald cup is still a, is still a respectable award as well at this point to get you know and that they're kind of the the two the two the two main things you know very diplomatic i like that so just a few more questions as we're on the tail end of things before the fast five i remember i asked you this in our first interview so i'd love to see how things have changed are there any breeders work that's caught your eye and you're kind of enjoying the work they're doing oh like i was saying i like souvenir seeds um pip he does great stuff i don't even have to get into it it's just real nice people can look him up um Oh man, I, this is the one where it's always like oh, I know guaranteed there's going to be uh, there's going to be a lot of people that I don't that I don't name him. I say is cool just because he's bringing out old stuff, um, and you know everybody wants something real sour. His stuff is real. He's got the real cool sour. Um, everybody else, I mean, I think I've probably mostly given shouts to everybody who's who I can really think of um, doing a lot of stuff. Uh, my buddy Dutch at Regenerative is cool. He's been going through some stuff with crazy pressure, uh, like the bad weather in Washington and pulling stuff out of, out of my gene pools I've worked with and kind of, you know, finding what is really, really can take the bad elements and stuff there. Um, he, uh, um, trying to think of anything that just like pops out as being new like Pip was kind of somebody I didn't know a year or two ago I think about their work and they didn't I don't think he had dropped stuff really um and I don't know you know just everybody who's everybody who's doing stuff that they're that they're interested in and going with their flavors and all that you know um yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, uh, besides what I've already, who I always say, you know, always, uh, I always like to watch, like, you know, what CSI is doing, 707, Seed Bank, but there's tons of them, man, there's tons of people doing really cool stuff all the time, so, yeah, uh, you know, uh, J Trees and Skunk Tech have been doing really neat stuff, um, yeah, yeah, some solid answers there for sure. I um I definitely agree. I've been following both of those guys doing some some really good work. Uh, so the next question I had for you was, what's the most unique turp profile you've ever come across, and do you still see it around, or is it gone? Most unique turp profile, um, mm, straight opium, um. Straight opium, which is similar to like a Sharpie or a flea collar or um, there's a certain smell that that straight opium has. It's the one thing I saw in the 90s that I really wish I could find again. Um, it's a certain smell and taste that's just incredible. And uh, that would be the most rare that was really a standout because everything else is like there's like things close to it. That's completely unique and I've never seen anything like it since. 
What a great answer. I, I can't say I'm familiar, so hopefully you're able to find that one and it is still around. Kind of on a bit of a different topic, I did want to ask you, we heard some word recently from none other than Chimera that Tom Hill had passed away and then it turned out that that was like a bit of a fake report. Did you hear from Tom himself or through the grapevine sort of thing and do you know what he's up to or if we'll ever see his seeds come back? Um, I don't think he's too into it really. Um, I think he does stuff for himself and he's kind of good with that. Uh, he's a really cool dude. I don't know him personally, but I went to school with his brother and sister. So, you know, I'm online and I see like top dog posts about it and I, and and it's like, it looks like it's official. So I go, okay, well, I'm going to go look around. So I look and everybody's like, yeah. And people are like, yeah, it's, you know, from people who are close to him, it's true and blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, fuck. Okay. So Normally, if something like that happened and I had just got like a little word of it, I would I would hit somebody up if, if it's like their family and I'd be like, hey, you know, is, is that is that true? You know, but I've had that experience before and it, it always feels kind of weird. So instead of even bothering with that, I just was like, well, it seems like it's I know it's real. I thought it was real at the time. So I, I, I hit up my buddy and I go, hey, you know, um. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear about about your brother. If there's anything I can do, just you know, reach out. Like, uh, you know, love you, dude. Blah blah blah. And so he hits me back and he goes, "What, my brother?" And I go, "Oh shit!" I go, "Dude, I hope it's. If you haven't heard, I go, I hope it's fake. You know, like I just. It seemed like it was real. I apologize if it's. You know, if it's if it's if it's fake. I hope it's not true. You know. He goes, "Hang on, let me check." And I go, huh, it seems like there's nothing he he didn't fucking know. So, and I was able to get a hold of him right away. Why would I be the first person to get a hold of him, right? So I'm like, shit, hopefully it's fake, but I'm still sweating it, you know? And um and uh and so uh you know, because I'm fucking bummed out. Like I'm like, huh, dude, are you serious, you know? And so he goes, Oh, just heard from him, he's all good. I'm like, Oh shit. I'm like, dude, I feel like such a piece of shit right now for like, I just basically told you your brother died, you know, like, and it wasn't true. Like, this is the worst fucking bullshit I can really remember right now. Like, I don't remember doing some shit this dumb for fuck a while, you know, like this is, this was bullshit. And I, you know, I tell him like, Hey, sorry, dude. I, and then I explain like this dude, Chimera, he's a big seed dude. He, he told people on the forums and said it was totally for real. And he had heard direct from, from, from people who knew and this and that. And, uh, I'm like, fuck. Okay. So that was, that was how that played out. And then I ran into him. I ran into my friend, you know, like, uh, down on the street in Ukiah, I didn't even want to mention it. I just was like, Hey, how's it going? You know, like I was still like embarrassed really, you know, cause I'm like, dude, what a, what a bullshit thing to do. But it was, but, but, but at the time, of course, my intention was just to like reach out and be like, Hey, you know, like it, it you know, just offer help and shit. But so I was like, it, my heart was in the right place, but my brain was fucking, you know, in the wrong place. And it was just some, some bullshit that was in it. And and it was frustrating that people had put it out in such volume that it was fake, you know, that it was real. And then it was fake. But at the same time, it was like, well, you know, that's the last time I'm ever going to do that without just being like, Hey, you know, if I I heard, I heard something about so-and-so like, is there, is there, is that, is there any truth to that? Or, you know, so, uh, 
that was that was my experience with it so i was like man fucking jokers like it you know because it uh was um you know like i can think oh man it was embarrassing for me but the reality was like my real thing was i just felt like shit because i was like damn like how'd i make him feel you know so um that was that was what that's how that went you know <laughs> like a yeah. dumbass dumbass gene on that one so oh man too harsh on yourself i i'm sure he probably wasn't too put off by it but there you go a good answer to the situation so a new question i've been loving to ask all the guests recently before we wrap things up do you have any other passions in life besides breeding we see on instagram like a lot of breeders like to breed dogs some dabble in cars some dabble in various other things. Is there some other aspect of me and Gene which the public isn't aware you're invested in? Um, I haven't been doing it that much, but I like to I like to DJ, um, to mix, um, make mashups, like play one thing over another, like in in real time, like on turntables or like CDJ turntables, you know, like. Uh, you know, drop something out of this and and play this over the top of that and make make mashups and shit. And I, I've been doing that since like 2006 or 2007, like often. But then I, I stopped for I haven't really done it for years and years now. Um, I really like that. I really like to just listen to music, um, do some music. I, I've done over the years, done some done some vocal shit. Um and uh i like uh i like to look for mushrooms i like to look for arrowheads and uh i really as funny as it is i really like fucking movies like i just like to watch great movies or shows or things like that just like music like it's just uh you know um i really like comedy i like crazy epic stories just just neat interesting stories about you know human shit like outlaw Josie Wales or last of the Mohicans or gangs of New York or like kind of like big crazy ones like that. Um, you know, but beyond, you know, beyond just being like, Oh, I'm just going to stare at this. And why I like really, I, I really like that kind of shit. Like if it was easier to be involved in like making movies and shit, I'd probably be want to be, you know, want to do some of that. But it's not something I have that much ambition in. But I, I really do love, uh, I love that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, you know, I mean, I like food. I like to cook. There's not, there's not really anything that I'm as into as, um, as I am into weed. You know, but, um, but I like, you know, I'm into, I'm into stuff that uh, involves checking out aesthetics of stuff. And but as far as doing stuff, making stuff, made some music over the years. Like I said, I like the mixing, making remixes, mashups. Those are probably my main things, really. I'm pretty simple. I like to observe things. I like to absorb information. Um, you know, so I like to read stuff. I like to check stuff out like that. Um, love to go to the river in the summertime, go swimming, go to the ocean. Like I really enjoy that, uh, part of nature, probably more than the average person. I just like really soak that up. That's like my happy place, you know? And, um, you know, family for me is big. 
I really, I really like chilling with my son and my family, and it kind of sums up my life, you know. I'm not super. I like to travel a little bit, but it's not my thing. Like I have friends who that's really what they're into is traveling. I'm like, cool. I like to do it sometimes, but it usually takes it out of me. Um, and I get, I usually wind up getting like burnout and sick or something from either partying too hard or just the travel and the, the stress of the actual travel and shit. But, um, but I like that too. And, um, you know, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty simple. I don't really have anything that's like a big, a big thing that I like to like, you know, spend money on or, um, you know, I just, just kind of chill. Pretty, pretty, um, yeah, pretty simple, dude. A man of simple pleasures. I like that. I like that a lot. So this brings us to our final five quick fire questions. Pretty confident they're different to the ones you did last time. So I'm excited to hear the answers to this one. Uh, first one is, what is the absolute most memorable cannabis experience you've ever had, be it smoking flour, hash, being somewhere, doing something? Which one stands out the most to you? Oh, man. Um, there was definitely some, some memories that were that were really interesting, like getting getting way too high and being like almost blacked out when I was young, where... You know, they just have that impact of being like, holy shit, I think I'm going to be high for the rest of my life. Like, I'm just, you know, you're just clouded in a daze. And, you know, those kind of those kind of stand out. And then, um, um, you know, I don't know, like just everything. It's, it's so much weed, man. Like, I don't it's not anything that stands out. But one really crazy one was uh, one time I took a bong hit, dude, and I stood up to go spit in the in the in the bathroom sink as bong heads sometimes have to spit after their coffin and stuff and I went to stand up and I got a little lightheaded so I sat back down on this big bean bag and then I stood back up because I was good and I went and I spit in the bathroom and I went came back and I started getting a little bit like kind of kind of my vision started getting white you know and so I went to like kind of belly flop onto the beanbag. But as I was going to belly flop onto the beanbag, I like lost consciousness and my body moved a little bit and I fell to the side of the beanbag. And when I woke up, my my jaw was so dislocated that like my my one my right side of my teeth was underneath the left side of my top teeth. Like the bottom bottom right was underneath the top left. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> my jaw was completely dislocated to the point where I was like, damn, wow. am I going to die or, or like in that, like still, that's why I said like good things or bad things that still stands out as the craziest fucking weed experience I ever had because I thought I had like ruined my life. Like to look, I wish if, if, if they back then, if it would have been like we had camera phones around all the time and I had a picture of it, you would be like, holy fucking shit. Because my 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 whole face was just fucking twisted around the wrong way. It was nuts, dude. Um, and that was that has to be like the craziest weed experience ever. And it was just a fucking bong hit, you know. But it was like, dude, it was insane. All my all my teeth were bleeding between the teeth, you know, because I had hit so hard. Yeah, and I had this big berry on my chin, and I was like, man, I. 
I had to straighten it out, you know, I had to like open my mouth real wide and push on the sides and it like fucking popped back in and it, you know, it, 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 it never was a hundred percent, you know, it's still a little tiny bit off this, you know, 20 years later. Shit was nuts. But, uh, that's a crazy story. Yeah. Wow. I think we've got a new benchmark with that one. On the other end of the spectrum, we're going to think least memorable. Was there ever a time when all of the people you know or hang out with were just like super hyped on this certain strain and then when you finally got around to trying it, you were like, oh, is that it? Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, usually things haven't been um, super hyped or if they are so hyped then I kind of assume they're going to suck anyway and then when I see them I'm like hmm, it was actually pretty good you know so uh, that's not something that I've experienced a whole lot I wouldn't say yeah that's that's good considering you've been living in the heart of the weed mecca since the start really so the next question would be if you're about to be dropped off at a desert island and you can only take three strains with you that you've got to smoke for the rest of your life which three would you take with you i'd definitely take lime one i'd probably take root beer or anything that's kind of in there in that mix of the jaro stuff um and then um Hmm, a third one. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just because it would be a good a good other side of it. And I've I know what it's like to have not had it, which I and I really like it. It's really enjoyable for me. I like that sweat. But I don't know if I would put it as in the in the top in the top three. As a third one would be like then it gets hard you know like i really know lime one's my favorite i really know root beer i love to smoke anytime when i'm like ah, i've already smoked a bunch of lime and then after that it's like a big wheel of a bunch of different stuff and then i would be i wouldn't be super super concerned as long as i knew i had as, as long as i knew i had lime and then something else you know yeah, that's a nice little selection there. So if we flip the tables now and you're going to be dropping off someone who you're not particularly fond of to that same island and you get to choose what three strains they get, which three are you going to give them? Mm, some kind of cardboardy, peanut shelly, ruderalis. Ooh, love it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just remember like some Ruderalis stuff that had that kind of, uh, you know, where it's just like there's nothing really redeeming about the smell and then you smoke it and you don't really get a high you would want. And uh, that was like, you know, like the basically what I think a lot of people would recognize as the auto flowers that you don't want. I think a lot of people have probably seen that style. I, I can see it in pictures all the time. People are like, oh, I got this autoflower such and such. And I'm like, yeah, that's that That's that very undesirable Ruderalis look with the really dark red hairs that has like the this dark greenness to it and just not. There's something, there's this thing. And it's like, I know that type and I can see it as soon as I see it. I know it's just that plain kind of just this the, the high that just doesn't really do much for you and uh that would be that's like my kind of my least favorite thing that i can think of 
and I've seen it come out, you know, of different stuff, like even out of kind of cool Afghanis and then it'll pop out and you're like, oh, there's that fucking thing. Um, and then, oh, you know, shit. Um, I don't know. It's really, I really like plants a lot. So for me, even things that people might go, oh, that's terrible. Somebody will tell you, oh, I can't stand Jack or I can't stand Trainwreck or I can't stand uh, Blue Dream or, or I, hate, uh, I hate whatever it is that they really don't like. I kind of, I kind of like weed, like, you know, I can tell you what's really gnarly and what's not as gnarly, but a lot of the stuff that's just, you know, eh, whatever, I'm still kind of like, uh, I'm still kind of just impressed that it's weed, if that makes any sense. Like, it's cannabis. I mean, I don't want to be that guy, but like, if somebody has some weed, I'm like, hey, that's some weed. I remember times when, like I was saying, like somebody has some moldy weed and you're like, fuck it, it's weed, you know? So for me, even though I, you know, I have access to what people consider to be what's the goods and and, and whatnot, I still, um, that's there's that one type that just leaves, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth, just like the memories of it as like weed as far as, because it's a strain that I can really put a finger on and go that one. But other than that, you know, I, I don't think that um, I don't think anything's too terrible. I think honestly, if you were on a fucking desert island and someone dropped you off with whatever, you'd be like, "Fuck, I'm glad this is cannabis, dude." You know? <laughs> amen, amen. What a good answer. So, on to our final question: If you could go back in time to anywhere, any place, and collect some seeds or a clone, which one are you going to go back and get? Um, so I think last time I said, I'd like to go like to the Hindu Kush region back in the day, um, and hunt around and look, um, so we already know that. So outside of that, man, we had this white widow in the, in the nineties and we had this Northern lights in the nineties. And I had this dirt perp clone in the fucking nineties that was so good. And we didn't realize how good it was. And we had already killed the moms. Um, for me personally, I would say I'd probably want to go back right to that little slice of time when I still had all three of those things. And when I know that there was tons of people who had other stuff that I was too shy to ask for, I'd probably just write, go back to the nineties in this area, grab the stuff that I had and that, that I lost and then start knocking on my friends' doors and asking their parents for the stuff that I was too shy to ask for. Um, you know, and, and I know there's a lot of other places to go and there's all kinds of neat stuff to find, but like, those are the things for me personally, as opposed to going, you know, these are the things that really should be brought to the community. I just want to, I would, I would want to go back and just get the shit that I have seen that we had that I smoked and I had my hands on and I remember it and it's gone. I, I just want all that shit. That would probably be like 1996 or something like that, you know? 
Yeah, brilliant answer. I guess, you know, the first episode we got seeds, the second episode we got clones, so it kind of rounds it out. Yeah, seeds too, though. When I'm talking about that, those, you know, that's the, for me, there was those few clones, but then I'd want to go get all those seeds from the from the from the family friends, you know? Uh, yes, yes, of course. Okay. So yeah. with that being said, I think that just about brings us to the end of a second monster episode. Thank you so much for taking the time. Were there any comments or shout outs you wanted to make? Um, man, I don't know. You know, I could go, I could go lots of directions with that, but I'm going to, um, I think I'm just going to, uh, probably, um, you know, say thanks for everybody who listened to all this crazy fucking run on sentences and rants and, um, and, uh, you know, thanks to everybody who's interested in, uh, in the plants and trying to figure out, you know, what, what to do in the whole scene of everything. And, um, you know, thanks for having me on and, you know, I think that's a pretty, pretty, uh, positive way to, to, uh, close it out. And I, there it is. <laughs> awesome. My friend, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, man. And there you have it, gang, part two of an epic discussion with our man, Mean Gene. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show, Gene. Likewise, thank you to all the listeners for making it this far. I mean, it's not hard with such a wealth of knowledge being dropped, though, right? As always, we appreciate our sponsors. Seeds here now, number one seed bank in the game. They've got some freeborn selections. Go check them out if you want all the hottest genetics in the game. They just got a fresh drop from CSI Humboldt. That's my pick. Likewise, Coppet Biological Systems. They got that beneficial army to keep your garden happy, healthy, and the next crop on track to be the best to date. Go check out the website. I guarantee you it pays to keep the garden happy and healthy. Coppet Biological Systems. They're the one. You know it. And last but not least, a huge shout out to the Patreon gang. You guys are the lifeblood of the show. You know it. I hope you enjoy getting early access to this episode, hearing it before the rest. And if you want to become a part of the Patreon family, please go check out www.patreon.com forward slash the podcast. You'll get early access to episodes, unheard, unreleased content, giveaways, and so much more. Thank you so much, Patreon gang. I appreciate you and the sponsors so very much. So that just about does it for this one, my friends. I'll see you for the next one. We'll see you.